He thought he was in control. How wrong he was. here with Stefan. That's me. That is him. And we've got a pretty crazy one for you guys. Uh, I've actually had a couple of requests for this. We didn't pick it because of that, but um, I don't want you to feel like your voice isn't heard, but it wasn't. Um, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I guess before we get into it, um, I just a couple like quick housekeeping stuff. Uh, we, so Nick is still streaming. That's been going pretty well. Um, He's been doing uh, Boulder's Gate 3, Fortnite, some Dead by Daylight, and then Halo, like the Master Chief Collection mixed in there. So if you have any interest in any of those, go check out the channel. It's uh, We can check our website out. We added him to the website. Um, but it's uh, Twitch TV. It's uh, angry underscore green underscore Balon. There's a long story behind that. but So B-A-L-L-O-N but we're working with Twitch to try to get it changed. It's a, it's a thing. So B A L L O N is actually spelled balloon in German though. Yeah, it is. So that's kind of like our thing now. We're Fall saying back like, on oh, that. his thing. Yeah. It's not really me. It's him. But yeah. So yeah, it's, but uh, yeah, it's a long story, but um, anyways, yeah. Uh, check it out. It's pretty fun. Everyone's having a good time. Um, he's bringing in different people here and there to play. So you're going to meet a couple different characters uh, that are involved with our stuff, which I, Thing is cool um so yeah i think um other than we're still doing the website stuff we still are doing reviews well um, if i ever do write my unwelcome review <laughs> i better get around to that and i'm slacking yeah. work's yeah, been work's the... been stressful i blame that i blame work hey i hear you man that's why we have a good movie to talk about why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about today well hold on what is this Baldur's gate three i've never heard of it it's not like a very popular famous game that everyone is always talking about now Hey, I'm gonna tell you what. <laughs> that game is so good. And uh the the best way I could describe it, it's the closest thing to playing Dungeons and Dragons that you can get. Like it does skill checks that rolls die for you. Um it it's a f- very faithful adaptation of 5e. It changes some of the um which is fifth edition, sorry. It changes you some of the nerd. <laughs> yeah. It changes some of the uh spell casting stuff like I don't want to get too far into it. Basically, it kind of makes it fun to play and not that you have to sit around a campfire for three days trying to prepare a spell. So um, <laughs> it's a great time. You can pretty much do anything. And for those of you, this is huge news. Right? You know, we're breaking it here first, um, you know, not IGN. So um, they actually just released an announcement that they have, and by they, I mean Xbox, has kind of, softened on their stance on why it couldn't be released on xbox yet it was feature parody with the series s with the uh, split screen right yep so they basically said screw it so uh you're getting boulders gate 3 this year if you have an xbox series x Thank so you don't you. yeah i know that was a big thing for you I, I couldn't wait to tell you that because i know you were um <laughs> i was very like, really, salty like, about it and instead I, PS5. but instead i started playing that <laughs> Celasta crown of the magister game that's on game pass it's like a old yeah. kickstarter game 
but it has like similar like dice rolling mechanics and stuff like that for like your checks and everything. And it's actually pretty good. It's good enough that I actually bought the real the full release of the game with like the DLC and stuff because I feel like it's a good one to support. So even though I, I was kind of salty about it, uh, I'm kind of glad that that lag happened because I might not have discovered that game on Game Pass otherwise. Yeah, that's like comparing frozen yogurt to like soft serve ice cream. But I mean, look, I think that you should try Baldur's Gate 3 when it comes out. Um, Wait, yeah. what's and, fr- what it? frozen yogurt? Yeah, it's not as good. I think I'd prefer frozen yogurt to soft serve ice cream. Well, and that's why you play Celasta. There it is, folks. I have... I have uh, issues <laughs> did with diet dairy. I can't do it. I do too. Uh, yeah. So. Like at least the frozen yogurt is going to be like, well, that's my day. I guess that's I'm going it. home now because I can't go anywhere. Guess I'll just fucking die. <laughs> that's, that's basically <laughs> what it is. Guess my internal organs will stop functioning. So my body can just not break down lactose. <laughs> yeah. So well, I don't want to cool. get too deep into video game stuff, but if you get the chance, they just they uh, just put on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre asynchronous multiplayer game on Game Pass, the one is that just good? came out. It actually is pretty good. Like I was surprised. Awesome. I granted I was very scared, so I didn't really do well. I only okay. played like one round, and I was a survivor, and it was very scary. They started me in the basement, <laughs> which is Leatherface's du- dungeon. It's he's that's where that's he keeps his place. You. Yeah, that's his temple. Like I shouldn't be here. So I only I very quickly was dispatched, but it's pretty good. I was surprised. I <laughs> I have that too. We're gonna have to play it together. Maybe we'll do something for the channel. We'll do like a like bonus content or something. Let us know if you want to see that. Just tweet us or I don't know. Or we might just do it for fun because we're friends. <laughs> yeah, I guess we could also do it for the podcast. I don't know. Oh hey, shout out to our new listener in in the United Kingdom. So I don't know who you are. Uh, but good on you. Um, Welcome. I don't know if that's offensive. I've heard people say that. Um, yeah. I don't see how it could be. Yeah. But anyway, how about cool. I talk about the movie now since we've already gone off the rails and we've only begun. Um, yeah. So what are we getting into? We're getting into the 1988 uh, classic killer clowns from outer space. A movie that I definitely watched for the first time when I was too young. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like definitely had some trauma yeah well it's pg-13 but it's pretty <laughs> there's some s- parts of that that it's like they still hadn't sorted out what makes a pg-13 a pg-13 because there's some pretty disturbing stuff happening with these clowns well, i think given given the like environment that like the time frame this was released i'm sure it's like okay there's no nudity you don't you're not seeing like extreme viscera so we're gonna give it a pg-13 rating but there is extreme clown there there are extreme clown ton of clown oh also i wanted to say on the on the up top uh we had mentioned it last time but we've changed our judgment categories uh we'll get we'll get into it when we get there but i just want to prepare everyone ahead of time that we talked about it and it is happening we are also changing our drop day which you'll find out when you listen to this because it's going to be not monday we're just Um, ruining everything here yeah we're going to change it probably to like wednesdays um for a bunch of reasons but mainly both of our work schedules are pretty hectic, which is forcing us to um, record on the weekends. And I do all the editing and stuff. So it's kind of a mofo to record on a Sunday and have it all done and released on a Monday. Um, plus, like, you know, we probably could do <laughs> we probably could do stuff to make this easier on us. But uh, we procrastinate. So, you know, you guys know how it is. But uh, yeah, mm. so 
I'll put something out on Twitter. I, I don't think everyone, I don't think anyone's gonna be mad about it. Um, but I guess if you are, uh, tweet at Stefan, not me. Do it. And, and, um, X at yeah. me. His DMs are open. I hate that word. That's so stupid. <laughs> you don't like the Twitter change to X? I feel like we Why? bring this up every episode since it's happened. And it's, it's something that we I just accepted Twitter as the dumpster fire that it was. And then now it's X. And Good it, news. It's still know. a dumpster fire that it was. It's just rebranded. It's worse. It's worse now that there's the X. Well, I mean, Elon's working on making it as bad as he can. Hey, give, give him some credit. He'll, he'll take the time he needs to really, really mess it up. I hate that every time he tweets, he makes it come to the top of your notifications. Like, yeah. I mean, he is a oh, billionaire who's self-obsessed. Like, what do you think this is all about? I know. I mean, I know. next thing you know, you're going to tell know. me you're surprised that the reason that like uh, the uh, Jeff Bezos wants to go to Mars is so he can circumvent like labor laws and start his own like capitalist hellscape army on Mars. I'm surprised that he hasn't tried, like he hasn't been trying to do that with the moon. I actually really thought, because Elon was about um, Mars, and I really thought Jeff Bezos was going to like latch on to the moon or like Venus or something. So, well, um, I think that Mars is the best option out of all of those. Like, not to get too into it, but like Venus is kind of already jacked up, and the moon is a little too close, you know? Give him yeah, a, he could give put, him a he 10 could, year like, ride to get to you. He could put like a he could carve a uh, Amazon logo into the face of the moon. I mean, he could just do that anyway. <laughs> he probably could. And uh, also, aren't there already some ownership stuff about the moon, or was that would you like something someone made up and told me one time? No, so you can't. Yeah, you're not. There's you're not allowed to own. So the moon's like I guess they they try to treat it like international maritime law, which is again, and I don't don't even tell me why I know this, but I do. So like. So space, the internet, and you know international waters all hold the same type of properties legally. I, I'm, I'm, it's way more complicated than that, and it's not identical, but they kind of modeled those spaces to um, match, uh, you know, international maritime law mm. because there's no way, like legally, like how do you how do you deal with that? Um, War. So no, no one can. No one can own space. Like no one can own the ocean. No one can own. Um, Tell that to like portions, portions of the internet. Yeah, right. Yeah, really. Yeah. Maybe that's just to keep him appeased. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really like to be caught in the uh, the, the the minutia. Yeah, the 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 conflict between nations is not his jam. Yeah, he's not into the Security Council. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, the ocean and space, how about we talk about killer clowns from outer space, specifically the cast and crew thereof solid transition i'm so good at it okay um also sorry to the audience if i seem a little bit tired uh, i was just at a uh over the weekend i went to the uh, pa like renaissance fair and it's like really far away and it was very tiring and i just got home like a couple hours ago so i'm i'm going through it so if and i miss what did you dress as what was your character well it was pirate invasion so i dressed as a pirate Sick. And awesome. I was wearing the boots and I have, I think that the bottom of my feet is all blisters. I don't <laughs> think there's any more feet left. It's just all like, like uh horror, horror, horrifically mutilated flesh. So leave that speaking in there. Of, don't cut that out. Let's make sure the audience has a good idea of what's going on. Of on my horrified feet. mutilated flesh. Yeah. Uh, well, I, no, we're going to talk about the casting yeah. group first. 
Yep. Um, but anyways, uh, the directors, uh, it's credited as the Chiodo brothers, uh, that being Stephen, Charles, and Edward, uh, this being their sole uh, directorial uh, credit. Uh, I think that technically Stephen Chiodo is the actual credited director, but mm-hmm. sources kind of vary on that, whether it was just like a collaborative directing thing or if, if he was the director, but they like all credited each other. Um, but uh, they're pretty I- famous for like their special effect and uh, puppet work. Um, they were the creators of the uh, puppets for the Critters series, if you're familiar with Critters. Um, obviously, Critters 2 is the best. Uh, that was the one that was directed by Mick Garris, in case you didn't know. Um, but then again, the first Critters does have uh, Billy Zane in it. So it is the Billy Zanest of the Critters movies. Um, what was I saying? Is this just Critters? Oh, yeah. No, they also did uh, Ernest Scared Stupid. Um, one of the best ones. <laughs> yeah. If you're familiar with the very scary trolls from that, that would be them. Uh, they did so good. They did the puppets for Team America World Police. Yeah, <laughs> like the marionettes and stuff. And let me tell you, that is a movie that does not hold up. It did not age well at all. Oh come on! No way, man. I just watched it again a couple years ago, and I was like, oh, like this is cringeworthy. Hey, guess what? It didn't. It didn't like not age well because it never did well. Like it was never like it was always like that. <laughs> It was, yeah, I mean, I just think that some of the jokes are just, like, they were bad then. Humor sensibility. (laughs) Even that, like, it was bad, but, like, in a funny way. Like, now it's just, it's just cringe. Watch it again, man. You tell me. Team America World Police. You let me know. That's our next one. Uh, They did the uh, Large Marge sequence in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, if you're familiar with that. Because they do a lot of puppet work, and they also do a lot of stop motion uh, work. Uh, R.I.P. Paul Rubens. Yeah, that, well, that's why I brought it up. I thought it'd be a really cool, like, linking it up with m- yep. recent events. Uh, they did the North Pole scenes in Elf. If you remember how in Elf, North Pole is, like, all claymation-y and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They yep. did that. Um, they've done several uh, claymation sequences for uh, The Simpsons. So, I think it was, like, there was, like, six or seven episodes. I would say probably if there's an episode with a claymation sequence. Odds are better than not that it was the Chiodo brothers. Um, well, like anytime Homer went to the real world, like our, our world, it, it was like a claymation version of the Simpsons. Oh, cool. That's neat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, UHF. They did some stuff for UHF. Uh, one of my favorites wow. would be say they did one episode of monsters that companion series to uh, the dark side, uh, the what, uh, tales from the dark side. So I always got to bring up if I see monsters or tales from the dark side. Uh, one sure of their more do. recent ones, I think, was Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Um, I think that's a pretty famous one. It has a lot of like uh, like stop motion uh, animation sequences. And then I they've been trying for a while to kind of get um, another Killer Clowns movie off the ground. Um, and I think they were also involved in the production of the Killer Clowns from Outer Space asynchronous multiplayer game. Which is another reason I brought up the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one earlier. I meant to transition then, and I didn't. But yeah, they nice. actually did a Killer Clowns uh, game like that. It was announced in 2022, and I thought it was supposed to be released in 2023. But it's been a pretty crowded release calendar, and I'm not seeing anything about that game being released. So it might be pushed back to 2024 at this point. I do hope that the game does come out, that it doesn't get like perpetually pushed back until it's canceled. Like a what I assume is going to eventually happen to Ubisoft's Skull and Bones. 
Yeah, oh yeah, we've been waiting for that. that shit since like like 2014 or something. Since since Assassin's Creed 4. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, how many Assassin's Creed's have there been since then? Like eight? But yeah, really. But yeah, so you know, uh but I hope that they also get to do like a um you know a another movie of this because it's clear that this is like you know being the only thing that they have is like a directing credit really clearly a project they love they put a lot of design into those like clown costumes which we'll discuss you know later on obviously but they hold up so well it's like clear that they special effects and 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 practical effect design work is like their passion because they're good at it because i'd even say like the uh the trolls in Ernest scared stupid hold up too because those things are gnarly looking. So I only have one piece of trivia for these brothers, and maybe you know where I'm going with this, but um, for anyone that's a fan of like metalcore bands or like metal bands from like the 2000s, the uh, band Kyotos, like they, this is where they got their name from, are these brothers. That's awesome. I so, didn't know that actually. Yeah. <laughs> so that was their, yeah, it's like their like ode to like. They love like killer clowns and all kinds of stuff. So, yep. Love that. That's that's my contribution to the podcast today. So, all right, good work. Now we can just call it, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> really. Next up is going to be music. Actually, uh, John Masari uh, did the music for this, and I think he also wrote like that theme song, right? Like the "Send in the Killer Clowns." I think is the name of like the march that, that they do. Like that really funny theme song that plays. It plays over the opening credits and oh, the yeah, closing so credits, good. and then yeah, and then I think it also plays in the movie at one point, like maybe during that montage that happens, or no, that's just like the bump 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 bump. It's that's the one that plays during that like montage of them getting victims, but like yeah. that song is is in, is is awesome. Like it is, yeah. The music, as we'll talk about, is real standout. Um, he did a uh, uh, Little House on the Prairie. Uh, he composed the theme for the Ray Bradbury uh, theater uh, television program. Uh, did music for Johnny Quest. Um, he did music for an episode of The Wonderful World of Disney, if you're familiar with that. Um, mm-hmm. A movie called The Wizard of Speed and Time, which looks interesting. I would actually kind of like to see that. Uh, he did a, a few episodes, I think five episodes of Monsters. So, you know, I was, anytime I have the chance to come back to Monsters, I will. Uh, Snake Eater 1 and 2, which I don't know what it is, but it is not Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater. Different Snake Eater. Travesty. Um, the Cell 2. He has a handful of other credits. Um, but the one thing I wanted to bring up was, so he had talked about how when he did the um, soundtrack for this, it was all done with like synthesized, uh, synthesizers and stuff because that was what they had. That was the technology available to them and stuff like that. In 2018, he did like a rescore of the entire like soundtrack of this movie with an orchestra. Oh my god! And and you you know I'll have to look that up. Yeah, and you know uh, Bear McCreary. Yeah, he's like a he's really big on like television show. Like he did like I think the Walking Dead theme. Um, I think he did the theme for um Black uh, Black Sales, which is famously has like a lot of hurdy gurdy in it. Uh, <laughs> so apparently Bear McCreary was like a guest. Uh, uh, with John Masari when they did the rescore and he plays uh, accordion and hurdy gurdy on it. So that makes me all the more interested to hear this like rescore of this entire thing. That's so cool. So that's all I really had for John Masari. I wasn't sure if you'd seen anything else. I know that music is more your thing. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit the big ones from what I saw. I didn't, I didn't do too much of a deep dive into them, but yeah, that intro music is clutch. 
So good. I think they do play it one other time. They don't play the lyrics, but there is a scene where they're playing the theme song in the background. I think it's towards the end of the movie. Maybe, yeah, maybe during that, like, the kind like of chaotic ending. Yeah, yeah, it might be then. Yeah, that, that's possible. Or maybe when JoJo shows up. Spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah, so then getting into the the cast themselves, um, our top build fellow is Grant Kramer, playing a character named Mike Tobacco. Never once do they say his last name, but that's what the they credits don't. say. <laughs> it's his name is Mike Tobacco. He's a, he's an actor and also a uh, uh, producer. He's a he's a pretty prominent producer. Uh, some of his acting credits: uh, New Year's Evil, Beverly Hills Brats, Hail Caesar. Uh, but I put in my notes, but not that one. Not the Hail Caesar that was like the comedy from what was it? The Coen Brothers was that the Hail mm-hmm. Caesar comedy? Not that one. Different one. But also still doesn't involve actual Caesar, which is pretty messed up. Stop doing that. Uh, Love is a gun. Leaping leprechauns, public enemies. Uh, he has like a 47 episode stint in the young and the restless. So love to see it. And this one's actually, I'm a bit confused about this. So he's credited as being in the, um, night of the living dead, uh, 30th anniversary edition. Are you familiar with that? No. Well, yes and no, but I, I don't, was he in the first one? No. So remember the we've talked before about the split between John Russo and George Romero after yeah. Night of the Living Dead. Yep. So this was a 1999 John Russo release. It was called Night of the Living Dead 30th Anniversary Edition, and he filmed additional scenes and recorded a revised soundtrack. He wanted to give the movie a more modern uh, pace. Um, hmm. We'll have to watch. Maybe it only has 2.8 stars. So it looks terrible. It looks, is, yeah, it looks dreadful. Yeah. And honestly, John Russo moved on to his own Return of the Living Dead series, and it was good. Why do you have to come back to Night, Night of the Living Dead? Oh, well, whatever. Um, so, yeah, that was one of the things he was in. Uh, uh, you know, getting back to Grant Kramer, uh, he was in Mach 2. Uh, he was in Raptor, which I don't know if you're familiar with Raptor. It was one of the movies in the Carnosaur series, if you're familiar with the Car- the Carnosaur series. I, I am. <laughs> I haven't seen Raptor, but I have seen the other ones. <laughs> Yeah, those are watch it. those are pretty messed up movies. Uh, all in all, um, the kind of fake looking T Rex and then like the ultra violence yeah. kind of cashing in on the Jurassic Park thing. How they were mutated chickens is I think how the dinosaurs came about in that. But, but like, wasn't the first Carnosaurs actually really good? It's Not good. wow. Yeah. Good, good's relative. We right? grade on a curve here, and then on that curve, I would say yes, it is. But it also had like this weird idea that like. I, if I'm remembering correctly and, you know, feel free to call me out if I turn out to be wrong, I'll do an apology later. But I think that there was like some kind of virus that was like going to kill all women on earth and make them like, like, uh, die and get like taken over by like, uh, dinosaur embryos or something. I, I feel like that was like part of the plot is that it was like an alien type thing, but like everyone was infected with like this dino virus through like eggs like chicken eggs or something. Yeah. If I'm making that up, then copyright, I'm making that movie, but I'm pretty sure that that's the Carnosaur, like what the deal was in the first one. And I think they basically were like, well, we can't go forward with this. Like all life on earth will die because women will like die from giving birth to dinosaur monsters. Like, so they just ignored it. But that was what I believe it was. Um, hmm. And I mentioned uh, too that, uh, Oh, and, and he was in Willie's wonderland. 
Uh, and then, like I said, Grant Kramer moved on to do like a lot of producer work, uh, Lone Survivor, Two Guns, The November Man, Arctic Dogs, uh, The War with Grandpa, which is a pretty recent release. And then obviously Willy's Wonderland. He was in that, but he also was a producer on it, um, which I don't know if you ever saw Willy's Wonderland. It's pretty good. I haven't. It's like the it's like the um, Five Nights at Freddy's style movie, but with Nick Cage in it. Oh, I actually this is on my watch list. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. I recommend it, especially watch right. it now before like the Five Nights at Freddy's movie does come out and then like maybe color opinions on other interpretations of that property. All right, done. All right. Next up is our female lead. Um, well, you missed a, a big one for him. No, he was recently on the South Jersey Horror Podcast, which is our largest rival. Oh, I saw that. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> it's, I'm kidding. They're, we're not rivals. Uh, we're not even the same like. Like if there were letter grades, I don't even know if we would have a letter yet. That's um, that's a really popular horror podcast, and one of the main hosts. Uh, I mean, there's there's it's awesome. It's actually a pretty good show. So yeah, it may surprise you or our audience who don't actually don't listen to many many horror podcasts. Um, <gasps> there's a there's a couple of them that I found through our Twitter that I I've started listening to. Um, I don't because just here's for a couple of reasons because one. Uh, plagiarism is a real thing, but it is also very easy to play, like, especially with how much data in, uh, consumption that we have as, as people with like media, it is really easy to accidentally borrow someone's thoughts, like, and you don't even know you're doing it. So let's say you watch like, or listen to like 10 horror podcasts, you have your own, you know, you could easily misrepresent one of their ideas as yours. Um, so like. Whenever I had a, uh, I was doing the video game podcasting, I actually stopped listening to video game podcasts that were not like, f- like funny, like, you know what I mean? Like they, if they were informative, I tried to not listen to it because I was trying not to accidentally plagiarize people. So I'm with you on that. I don't listen now that we're doing this stuff. I tried not to listen to other horror podcasts. Like I'll definitely support them and stuff like people have DM like, Hey, check this out. And I'll definitely do it and leave a rating and a review. But, um, I try not to, if like, if we're doing a movie and they're doing a movie, I won't listen to it. Yeah, at least not until after we cover it. But I, I like to like download small other small podcasts like ours is small. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because I think that yep. all of us little guys had to stick together in this dangerous world of content. Um, Hell yeah. But yeah, OK, so, uh, yeah, we got Grant Kramer's credit on that podcast. Um, now onward to uh, Suzanne Snyder. Uh, who plays Debbie Stone. Again, we hear her referred to as Debbie frequently. I did not hear her last name ever referred to, but um, she's got a lot of, she's like right on the verge of like um, scream queen territory with her, her resume. Uh, she had the last starfighter, uh, weird science night of the creeps, which I don't, you yep. know how much I love that night of the creeps. Give me that you Tom Atkins, that. baby. Um, <laughs> Pretty Kill, uh, Return of the Living Dead Part 2, um, The Night Before, The Preppy Murder, Femme Fatale, Fools Rush In, um, some TV work, uh, Amazing Stories, TJ Hooker, uh, Head of the Class, In the Heat of the Night, uh, two episodes of Seinfeld, which I actually do remember both those episodes that she was in. Um, so she's she's had a, a pretty significant career. Um, you know, if you hit both the Return of the Living Dead series and Night of the Creeps, and killer clowns from outer space. Like that's like a cult movie trifecta right there. Yep. Um, so yeah, onward to man. I love night of the creeps. I hope they put it on streaming so that we can do it for the podcast. 
because it's actually nowhere to be found right now. And Night the only way that I could get Night of the Creeps was to buy it on physical media. Well, I own it. So you, if we could find a good German version. Oh, my God. Well, that's still we not have, streaming, though. Yeah, we have an update for you guys later, by the way. I was saving it till the end, but it's coming. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do have an update for, for fans of you earlier me, episodes. You owe me an apology. I I had no reason to believe otherwise. Anyways, spoiler <laughs> alert for later in the podcast. Um. Anyways, uh, the next cast member we're going to cover is John Allen Nelson as Officer Dave Hansen. Again, we don't really get his last name, I don't think, but it's Dave. Um, he was in Hunk, uh, Deathstalker, and The Warriors from Hell, which is a great one. Um, let me see. Criminal Passion, Follow Me Home, uh, Feast 3, The Happy Finish. Uh, I think he was in The Town, and I think it is that one. I think it's the Ben Affleck, The Town. Is it? I think it is. I think the year was right. I don't know. That'd be super funny if I say that, and then it's like, I'm wrong. Anyways, I don't have time to fact check myself. You can fact check me, and if I was wrong, then... You know, yell at me. That's what that's what Twitter is for. Um, but yeah, he has also uh, TV work, The Edge of Night, Santa Barbara. I've noticed a lot of Santa Barbara like credits on these actors, and I don't know that show at all. I meant to figure it out. Uh, he was in Hunter, which is a show starring Fred Dreyer as TV's Hunter. Uh, Quantum Leap, Matt Locke. Maybe you're familiar with Matt Locke. It's a sequel to the Andy Griffith show where he's an old country lawyer. Um. It's not actually a sequel to Andy Griffith's show. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, he was in, uh, he had a pretty significant role in Baywatch. And it was a role that he reprised for like some subsequent movie appearances in some of the Baywatch. Like, I think they were made for TV movies that were released after, you know, after the fact. Um, he was in more recently uh, Crazy Ex Girlfriend, which was that show that was like a CW show, but it was actually pretty funny. Um, Anything to add for our man John Allen? No, I think you hit the hit the big ones there. Um that's Santa Barbara. So um that had a lot of famous people in it. Um I think I, I don't know a lot about it, but I think a lot of the, these shows like this that that kind of these TV series really tied a lot of people together. Um, you know, if you have anyone that's like like soap operas and stuff like that. Um, I think it allowed for casting directors to see how people interacted with each other. So I think it's, you know, as much as if you do or don't like them, I think it's important that they exist. So it is important that they exist. Um, all right. Well, next up then is going to be uh, Murder, She Wrote, dude. You didn't say it. I'm so mad at you. He was in Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to duck and weave. I gave you every chance. You did. Yeah. Did I tell you that I was, uh, so I was at like uh, the other week I was at like the uh, Bellevue had like that rhythm and brews festival that they do. And the friends of the library were having a book sale and I bought a murder. She wrote book. That so it's awesome. It was actually even a more epic story than that. So like I went there and I didn't have any cash dollars on me. And I was yeah. like, Oh man. And I told the lady, I was like, I really want this murder. She wrote book and I asked her how much it was. And she said it was a dollar. So I was texting everyone I knew who was nearby. He's like, can I just borrow a dollar please? And I was like, I have to go like get money out of the ATM to get this book. And then I said, I'll return with it. And she said, just take the book. I trust you to come back with the money. I was like, Oh man, she's lucky that I'm not a criminal. And then I did in fact, want this murder. She wrote book. So I went and I got like money out of the ATM and I, I gave it to her. And instead of like you, she, I gave her $20 
And instead of taking the change of $19, making her give me $19, I just said, just keep the rest of it as a donation to the Friends of the Library, because that was cool of you to trust me to return with the dollar for this murder she wrote book. I could have easily absconded with it. Joke's on her. It was a fake 20. <laughs> well, the, the joke's actually on me because I didn't realize the book was large print, which makes it a 0% chance that I'm going to read it. <laughs> That actually is hilarious. Like, <laughs> like, like actual large print, like the legitimate, like, like those trouble like, seeing large print. Yes. Yeah. For like, like the oh people who have trouble God. seeing like those large print books. Yeah. Um, can you, can, <laughs> can you post a picture on Twitter? Yeah, sure. You just, that, what, just open the book and just pick a page and show it off. Yeah. yeah. I can do that. That's <laughs> so that was, that was my adventure at the Bellevue's event. The other could have warned you. Um, I mean, it wasn't her responsibility. I could have just opened the book. I was just too excited for that. I just saw Angela Lansbury in the cover. It said Marie Shirota. I was like, I have to have it. I don't care what the cost is. And the cost was only a oh dollar. So there's that. That was my uh, murder. She wrote aside. So if there's a, if I'm, if I'm feeling like I'm not bringing up murder, she wrote as much this episode as I usually do. It's because I'm feeling burned by murder. She wrote because I accidentally bought a large print <laughs> book of it like an idiot. So but you know what? I'll I'll appreciate that when I'm old and can't see anymore, and then the only thing I can read in my apartment it's like one of those Twilight Zone things. But instead of like breaking my glasses and not being able to see at all, like the end of that one episode, I'll just be like, I can't see anything except Angela Lansbury. You saved me, so it's actually a happy ending. It's not a twist ending at all. So you're gonna have to cut out all that, right? <laughs> no, never. Um. Anyhow, next up is uh, the other cop, the bad cop in this case. Um, Curtis Mooney is played by John Vernon and you will recognize him from animal house where he played the Dean or dirty Harry, where he played the mayor or the outlaw Josie Wales, where he played a character that <laughs> I can't remember the name of the guy. Uh, but he was also in like a airplane Two, Herbie goes bananas. Ernest goes to camp. Uh, I'm going to get you sucker. Um, couple of tv shows like you know your gun smoke and fred dryer's hunter also appears in his uh resume but the important television credit and uh some of the subsequent movie appearances is his role as rupert thorne in batman the animated series which if you don't know rupert thorne he's like one of the main like crime bosses in that version of gotham city it's pretty cool that he voiced him like throughout that and like also for like the uh uh the animated, uh, what is it? Mystery of the Batwoman movie. It was like one of the direct to video mm -hmm. movies that came out after the series ended. And he, he reprises his role as Rupert Thorne in that. And uh, another timely one, since Mortal Kombat one is going to be released uh, early uh, next month in, in September. Uh, he was in Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm, where he played Shao Kahn. I love that show. It was such a good show. Is that streaming so anywhere good. I need it in my life? Yeah, that was his. It was on USA. It was. I, I don't know. I'll find it. It was on USA. Is like that and Street Fighter, the animated series, were both on. Yeah. There. It was crazy. So yeah, he voiced Shao Kahn. He was Ross and Hulk. Oh, General was he? Ross. Was he? I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah, yeah I and missed the, that. The, yep. And then he also was. Uh, he had a couple voices in some popular video games, uh, Command and Conquer. Um, and then he was in Baldur's Gate too, which is kind of weird that this all aligned like this. Back he to was Baldur's Gate. Black and Rock and Bear Employer. Yeah. Pretty wild, actually. That's kind of funny. Because this is um this is an anniversary for Killer Clowns, which is why we did it. But it kind of also coincided with Baldur's Gate 3 coming out, which he was in Baldur's Gate 2. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I guess I so. didn't mention at the top that this is like the what 35th anniversary 
of, yeah. of killer clowns. So that was a pretty big, pretty big deal. Um, oh yeah, he played. He had vocal work in Area Fifty One, the remake. Yep, Fallout. Fallout. He's in all kinds yeah, of Brotherhood stuff. Brotherhood of Steel. Yeah, how did I? Miss Seems like this? towards the end of his career, he really leaned into the voice acting. So like, I'm sure for the younger people, like our maybe our age, um, or a little younger, you'd probably re- re- know his voice. Um, he's in a bunch of like stuff, but he, unfortunately, he did pass away. Um, which it was in 2005, so. Oh man, he was Doctor Doom in the in the Fantastic Four animated yeah. series. He was in the Batman and Robin Sega CD game as Rupert Thorne. Yep. Oh man, he was also in uh, I uh, missed this. He was in Duckman. If you remember Duckman, he was. Yep. That's awesome. Sw- he was in Swat Cats. Oh, I mean, he's got to be. Yeah, I missed so much of his career. I'm kind of ashamed of myself for missing all of this. He was in one of the Alfred Hitchcock presents in the late '60s. He was in the one in the '70s or in the '80s. I mean. Um, he was in a couple of things, man. He, oh my God. Yeah. He was in the tales from the crypt series, dude. Yeah. And I missed it. Kung Fu. He was in Kung Fu dinosaurs, the dinosaur show that was like with the baby that says, I'm the baby. You gotta love me. Yep. Oh man. I feel like such an idiot that I miss all this. Like, he was, was he was Steve Wojak and Wojak. I mean, you missed a lot, but it's okay. We still love he you. He was in murder. She wrote. He was Tony Stark. Okay. This is crazy. Airwolf. In Mighty Thor from the '60s, he played the voice. He was the voice of um, Tony Stark, Iron Man. He was also he in played, T.J. Hooker. He played Hulk in the original one, or no? I'm sorry, he was Tony Stark in the original one. So he he was Tony Stark in all the old '60s um, uh, Avengers cartoons. All right. Well, now that I've gotten through my shame of having not gone into John Vernon's career, I'm sorry. Yet, I just I really like that guy. No, yeah. I mean, you just. He came out here and just showed me the business. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry. And next up is uh, Michael S. Siegel as one of the Terenzi brothers. That's Rich Terenzi. Um, kind of hard to keep them straight in my mind because they're both pretty annoying. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's, so um, uh, Michael S. Siegel, he was been in also in Santa Barbara. Uh, some recent TV shows like episodes 30 something, um, something called Out of Tune. Uh, he actually has some video game credits. I saw that he was in uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, The Division 2, some other stuff. Uh, let me see. State of Mind, uh, Jesus, His Life. Jesus, like, colon, His Life. Uh, the Beast Inside Foundation. So not a ton of work, uh, you know, for Michael S. Siegel, but he's been out there. Um, he also starred as himself alongside the actor who played as his brother, uh, in some kind of a documentary that I'm assuming probably had something to do with like this movie. So I don't know if you're going to get into this or not, and we can just stop, but he was in cheese balls, cheese ball presents. No, he wasn't. That was the other brother. I thought they were both in it. I don't think so. Yeah. They're like a fame. Yeah, they are. They're like a famous comedy duo. But they these are? two guys. Yeah. Like, so this this cheese ball presents this is where like they got a bunch of people like um Phil Hartman, Paul Rubens. So I mean if you look at the credits on Cheese Ball Presents, it's crazy. Like how many famous people were on that. Um now it's not, you know, a lot of these people went off and did their own thing, right? So this was like the com I think it was like a comedy troupe or some kind of variety show, it was like sketch comedy. But these two were like a, a comedy duo. 
So that's why they did so well and like they played off each other in the movie. So it was kind of like a they were they were kind of popular at the time. Oh no, they were you're also right. both in yeah, they Santa were, Barbara. He was in he was in Cheeseball Presents. No, I had yeah. Santa Barbara on both of their credits. I just I didn't see that he was also in also in Cheeseball Presents, but you're right, he was. So yeah, so but both he has of these significantly were... more credits than uh, Peter Lacasse, who plays uh, Paul Terenzi, his, who plays his brother in this. For for sure, like yep. his only credits were Cheeseball Presents and Santa Barbara. Yep, it, it just seems like Michael S. Siegel had a lot more. So that was kind of why it was easy to overlook his stint in Cheeseball Presents. But I also didn't know what it was. You seem to have known immediately what it was. Well, just because of Phil Hartman, so like R.I.P. Yeah, for sure. Um, because that's that's where and, and Pee Wee Herman. So Pee Wee Herman was this is where Pee Wee Herman kind of was on this. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, so they so they are supposed to be funny in this movie. Let me tell you, yeah, they yes. didn't they did not land for me. Yeah, most of the they time. Live up to, didn't live up to your expectations. Not at all. Not even close. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I kind of covered you know Peter Lacassie then as Paul yeah. Terenzi. That was all he really had. On his resume was the Cheeseball Presents and then Santa Barbara. Moving on to Royal Dano, who plays Farmer Gene Green, the farmer in the beginning of this, who does not find it weird at all that he stumbled onto his circus tent in the middle of the woods. He was actually excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's been in he's been in like a ton of Western stuff over the years. You yeah. know, Rawhide, the Virginia Bonanza, Gunsmoke, those kinds of things. I uh, also covered like amazing stories. It feels like amazing stories being one of those like TV shows that during the eighties was like a, a anthology show. A lot of people ended up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, some other weird ones on his resume is like Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. That's where probably if, if you heard his voice and you're like, what is that? I know that guy from somewhere. It's probably from that. He was one of the ghosts. I think he was the ghost of his business partner. Yeah. I think he was um, Jacob Marley in that. Yeah. Right. Um, but he was also in like a house Two, the second story, which is not the first time we've encountered house Two. Uh, he was in ghoulies Two, which is the Ooh. best ghoulies in my opinion. We can argue <laughs> about that another day, but ghoulies ghoulies one did not hit me. Uh, I had ghoulies three when they go to college is pretty good, but I, I still think I stand by ghoulies Two is the best ghoulies. And he he's in that. Um, he was in uh, twin peaks uh, the dark half, I believe is his last credit. Uh, the Stephen King ad- adaptation of the dark half. Um, so he's got a pretty significant career. Um, the, he has a ton of credits too, like of old shows and stuff. But I figured like, yeah, once I hit sure. like those rawhide bonanza, Virginian, you know, gun smoke, you get the idea. <laughs> like you get the kind of guy that you're looking at here. And so I, he was in, um, space invaders. Was he? Yeah. So he was in space invaders, which has like, Cool segue to Ariana Richards, who was in like Tremors and Jurassic Park. She was the she was Lex in Jurassic Park. Oh yeah. So sorry. This guy's pretty cool. It's it's a shame because it oh, looks he was like also in the, the outlaw his, Josie Wales too. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Towards the end of his career, it seems like he started to, he was in Twin Peaks. And it seems like he was starting to dip into like the fringe science y kind of stuff. Um and then unfortunately he passed away. But you know, he has a really cool like cadence and voice, um, which is what he's known for. Like he's a character actor. He's like one of the most famous from from that time period. Oh, I didn't realize he was in the Planet of the Apes television series back in the yep. day. He was in a ton of stuff. Chips, 
Um, Did you mention I that mean, he was in Kung Fu? Because I know you said it about. No, I was going to. So that show is crazy. I used to love that show. Um, yeah, he's in Kung Fu. He's only in one episode, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Moon of the yeah, Wolf, which is a movie that you know comes up yeah. from time to time. I think time. you said Gunsmoke, Hawaii Five O. Um, we'll see any other really good ones in here. I so I really like these old these old uh, westerns. Have like have a special place in my heart. He was in Hondo, Lost in Space, back in the day. Lost in Space, yeah. So pretty cool. Rawhide. He was in Rawhide. I didn't know that. He was in Alfred Hitchcock Hour. Yeah, I think I said Rawhide. He's in King of Kings, which was a, uh, you know, old um, one of those like biblical epics from that era, you know. Mm-hmm. But not one of the better ones, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. About to make some enemies. <laughs> it's like, how dare you say that about King of Kings? I'm like, I'm sorry. I think, I man. think you'll be all right. Yeah. I think you'll be okay. It's not a Ben Hur, you know, it's not a yeah. Ten Commandments. It's just not. So, yeah, yeah. he's had like, yeah, his, but like he has a ton of television credits. Like, it's just crazy yep. how much stuff he's been in. He's been, it was in an adaptation of Moby Dick. See, I'm not seeing Space Invaders on his. Why is it not on the list? It's towards the top. 1990. Wait, what? He was Wrench Molar. Spaced Invaders. Oh, Spaced Invaders. Yes. Sorry. Oh. Sometimes I can hide my speech impediment. Sometimes I can't. And that's one of the situations. I have no idea what this is. What the hell is this? Uh, it's Spaced Invaders. Duh. It's like uh, these stupid aliens like come down to like a town. Um, and it's at the same time that or- they're rebroadcasting like Orson Welles, the War of the Worlds. Oh, that famous broadcast that like threw people. Yeah, so it's it's kind of funny. We should actually watch this. You probably would really like this. But I didn't know what it um, was, and like you said it, like I should have known what it is, and I was like feeling like self conscious. Now I'm looking at it, I'm like I don't know what the hell that is. Like, why would you act like I know what I that thought, is? I thought you would have known this. I'm sorry. I don't know everything. Well, yeah. Well, we'll see. Anyways, uh, last person I wanted to bring up then is Christopher Titus as Bob McReed. Such a crazy credit. (laughs) Unexpected. Um, A character that I didn't spot during either of my recent viewings, and you had to tell me who he was and where he appeared in this movie. Yeah, so he plays Bob McReed, who is the uh, kid with glasses. So you see him twice. Once when he is carrying a, uh, a brown bag of beer. Much to the chagrin of Officer Moody, or um, Mooney, who's very upset with this. And then the second time, he's in the back of the Jeep about to make out with a girl. So that's like his, like... He gets a reaction shot when the ship is coming down or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. And then uh, they find his glasses. So that that was like... Well, that's that's the only time I remember them mentioning him specifically is when... um, what is it? It's, He's like, those are McRees. Yeah, Dave brings the glasses yeah. over. Yeah, Dave brings the glasses on over to Mike, and Mike is like, you know, those are Bob McReeds. And he's like, they are? Yeah. And it was like one of the yep. big moments of like, yeah, that he's probably dead. Or I think that he actually says, Dave says, or not Dave, uh, Mike says that. He's like, then he's dead. He's already dead. Right. He's like, yeah, he's already dead. Don't even try to help Yeah, him but out. this is his first movie, so. I mean, he doesn't have a ton of other movie credits. He does a lot of television work. Um, obviously, he had his you know, self-titled television program, Titus, which I actually thought was quite so good. underrated. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Uh, he was in like a beyond belief factor fiction. If you remember that one, yeah. Uh, he's in an episode of like the, one of those twilight zone reboots that happened in the nineties there. Um, and then like a handful of episodes of yes, dear, which is a 
one of those sitcoms that like I watched when I was younger because I was like, TV doesn't get better than sitcoms. I was like, hey, it does. <laughs> this wasn't even <laughs> that good. Although Mike O'Malley's charming enough, but it was just kind of a weird show. Yeah. So that's all I really had for uh, Christopher Titus. I don't know if you wanted to go more into some of his work. I think that his comedy is kind of his big thing and um, not other than his self-titled television program, which again, yeah, is good. He does a lot of comedy tour, like comedy specials and, and tours and stuff. Um, but we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. So I, I actually like Titus. I think he was a little bit ahead of his time. I think Chappelle show really put the nail in his coffin though, proverbial coffin because uh, that show just dominated television when it came out. Um, so his show was canceled in, I think, 2002 or 2003, which is like the height of Chappelle show. So, um, yeah. And then I think he, I think he kind of stuck to uh stand up comedy, which is good for him. Right. He does uh, those occasional, like he'll play like a cop and like SVU or something or like special or like CSI or something like that. So he'll pop in on guests, um, guests yeah, on shows. Right. He actually, uh, is a pretty good um, follow on on social media too. If you like have, um, you know, the artist formerly known as Twitter X, uh, I believe he's on there and occasionally he'll have like a tweet that like goes viral or gets like a lot of attention, a lot of re- RTs or whatever they call it now. Repost is what X calls it. Like Re-X. Yeah. Re-X. I don't, I don't know what they call it, but he's, he's, uh, he's, he's often present there and it's kind of cool to see. He's still pretty relevant in my opinion. I think he's, maybe it's just cause I, see his stuff around but i like him yeah he's like a vanilla version of bill burr would be the best way to describe him i don't know if i'd say vanilla he has i mean compared to bill burr i would say he's he's he nails the angry but he's not like uh he's not like one of those um my god what the hell's the name of that he's not uh irreverent yeah i guess so that's true yeah i i don't know i I think you're kind of not giving him enough credit but this isn't the Christopher Titus defense podcast. Yeah, so. right. No, I, I love Christopher Titus. I think he's hilarious. He draws a lot from his personal you just experiences. Called him vanilla. No, no. I said vanilla version of Bill Burr. Bill Burr, in my opinion, is he's a habitual line stepper, which is good sometimes. But I don't know I, how I he think, gets away with some of the stuff he says, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, look at Norm, right? We both love Norm McDonald, but he, God, that guy, like, but he would do it on purpose. Like, I, like, I, I, I. I think he was like i'm gonna be counterculture just because i can sometimes like towards the end i think he's like he knew what was going on with him and i think he was like ah fuck it and i literally think he uttered those words out loud like ah fuck it maybe <laughs> so but yeah i know yeah. so yeah bill bill burr uh, pretty good at comedy also good at star wars because i like his character in the mandalorian yeah he's great <laughs> we don't have he's to good in all the stuff yeah he's great in uh was it half baked is that what he's in yeah mm. he was Anyways, I don't know. I always mix up half baked with this other movie that came out around the same time where like Norm McDonald's dog gets stolen or something. That one is awesome. <laughs> he, hey, uh, is that no, Bill Burr not, was in Chappelle's show too. That's not. Yeah, he was. That's not half baked though, where the dog gets stolen. No, Norm McDonald steals an old lady's dog, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. What is that movie? <laughs> it's not half baked though, right? It's, I don't think. I don't know, man. Like that. Those, the comedies of that era just kind of blend together to me, but I remember that, but that's a real movie where Norm Macdonald like steals, like, he like works for his old lady and he hates her. So he like steals her dog or something. We can, we can all agree, uh, that it's not <laughs> biodome. We can. Yes. Let me check. Let me check. Uh, look around the room here. Everyone nodding in agreement. No one in this room. Screwed is the name of the movie. Screwed. 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 Yeah. 
So good. I don't know why I mix that up at half bait because they aren't similar. Danny DeVito's in well, Chappelle's in both of them. But he's like so. a pretty small role in Screwed, doesn't he? Or maybe he does. No, 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 no. He's like one of the main characters. Look, man. Anyhow, Sarah like, Silverman. Let's, that's such a banger. <laughs> let's uh, move off of this weird tangent and yeah. move on to the plot description of Killer Clowns from Outer Space. What? Ooh. Ooh. Sorry, what did you say that you had to interrupt my... Should I transition for my bad real professional buddy? I hope we stop listeners. After what? After me not knowing that ha- which one was half baked and which one was screwed? After the hour of us going crazy about stupid shit? Oh man, it is an hour, isn't it? We gotta tighten this up. <laughs> nah, whatever. Alright, let's move. Um, alright, so opening. Space. Synth Smash music. Cut. It's pretty cool with like glowing letters that I actually think look really cool. And uh then the music turns into carnival music briefly before it becomes our theme song. It's a very 80s song. I wish I could describe it, but people just go listen to it for yourself. You'll love it. There's uh then we cut after the we get the full opening credits with a full run through of the killer clowns. Uh, we go to a small town burger joint that is absolutely hopping on this evening. Like I feel like almost everyone in town must be there. Uh, it's called what Big Top Burger, which I thought was funny because it's got to be like a subtle nod to the idea that there's circuses. Um, this is when we get our introduction to uh, Curtis Mooney, the uh, the disgruntled, dissatisfied officer who's unhappy with everything going on around him. Um, he sees a young man walking with paper bags full of beers, and he's also drinking one of those beers. And that was Christopher Titus, you told me, which I didn't realize at the time. Um, mm-hmm. but that's when we find out the cop's name is Mooney. Cause he's on the, uh, on the radio with Dave, the other cop that it's a calm Friday, but it's just beginning. He anticipates trouble and he's correct in that there will be trouble, but he's incorrect in that believing that he's going to respond to it in any way. Um, then cut to some kind of make out point where, uh, I guess they're, are they college students? I'm assuming like, or teenagers. I don't really know. It's kind of hard to tell. Cause there's a, college in this town it's brought up many times they're making out in their cars uh having beers and in one case even champagne that case being (laughs) that case being our our man mike and his girl debbie who are going to become important characters in a raft oh yeah i forgot yeah there's like they're in a raft in the back of his car good idea not a yeah not a terrible idea to have an inflatable raft for them to lay down on um then uh, I put, for some reason, a clown-headed ice cream truck comes to the makeout area to try to peddle their wares. So they, they decide to drive up with ice cream and, like, cool down your hot lips with some ice cream. <laughs> it's like <laughs> terrible salesmanship. Uh, the men in there, we learn, are the Terenzi brothers, Rich and Paul, who I'm told are supposed to be uh, great comedians. Uh, doesn't come through here, <laughs> but that's neither that's here nor there. a comedic duo. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Real funny. So yeah. funny. Um, 
yeah, the teenagers are mad. Um, they the ice cream they start throwing uh what I put as a ridiculous amount of cans at them. Like uh they they were talking over the speaker on the ice cream truck trying to offer it, and then like people just start like throwing cans at them for like a long time. It's like does everyone just hold on to their empties just in case they have to pelt somebody with them? Seems likely. Yeah, at that point, the uh yeah, the uh driver of the truck, which is I think Rich is the driver, and then Paul was the one who was out on like the uh on the um microphone uh trying mm-hmm. to sell it. Uh those two guys, Rich and Paul, I'm just gonna refer to them as the Terenzi brothers because they will never do anything apart, and I could not keep them straight to save my life. Like, and this is not like the, some of our movies we do, like I know them, I might have seen them a long time ago. Or like, and I definitely watch a couple times in preparation for like our podcast. This movie mm-hmm. I've seen many times throughout my life. Still can't keep these dudes straight. So that to me tells tells me everything I need to know. So I'll just refer to them as the the Terenzi brothers. Um, but at that point, uh, two girls emerge from the back of the truck. Um, you know, one of the brothers wants to park with the girls, but they say that that wasn't part of the agreement. He said we could have all the ice cream you want. You didn't say anything about parking. Which, you know, probably should have mentioned that you're going to take them to make out point, not just feed them free ice cream. Right. But the 80s were a different time, I guess. Oh, yeah, I put uh, <laughs> I put the driver of the truck uh, tells Paul that this is like Rich, the driver tells Paul that this is a stupid plan, which seems correct. <laughs> um, then then we get to. Uh, oh, yeah. The Mike, who's, you know, out there making out with uh, Debbie. But he says that Paul and Rich, the Trenzy brothers, are really fun guys. Uh, so it, you get the feeling that he he pals around with them a lot. Um, but then he's like, I would mother, I'd uh, much rather get back to kissing you. So then they start making out again. But they're interrupted by space. There's like some kind of like animated comet flying through the air. Um, looks like sort of a comet meteor thing. So I think that we smash cut at that point to the farmer as played by, uh, as played by uh, Royal Dano, who's really playing up that folksy farmer type guy thing. He's like, says things like G Willikers and, uh, he named his dog Pooh bear, Pooh bear, his dog. Yeah. Boober. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so he, he's also like reading a book that has Haley's comet in it. And he believes that this must be Haley's comet. Which I think like famously only comes around at specific years. Like, so look, this farmer's not the smartest guy in the world. He wants to go investigate this thing. He believes that they're going to get rich, him and his dog. I'm not sure why he believes that, but he does. Um, so the uh then we cut back again. Uh Debbie wants Mike to leave and investigate the crash. Um, Mike wants to stay and finish their champagne. Um and Debbie, I guess, convinces him by saying we can take it with us. So it's like, okay, that wasn't a hard sell for him to go investigate this strange occurrence. Right. Um, so the farmer gets to the location of the comet, but instead of finding like some kind of like crash site, he sees what looks like a big top circus tent. Um, and at first I thought the farmer didn't find it odd, but then he does say to his dog that this is peculiar and that there aren't people around and no ticket booth. So it's like, okay, never mind. I mean, I guess the fact that it doesn't have a ticket booth is a part that he finds odd. Not that it's in the middle of the woods with no one around, but you know what? The farmer's just doing his best out here. Um, then while the farmer's walking around with his dog, he doesn't notice that there's a silhouette, uh, 
in seemingly coming from inside the tent uh, of a big old clown. Um, a hole opens up, and then the clown reaches out with a net to get Pooh, uh, taking him but leaving his bandana behind. Um, sort of a sad one because I think it's implied this dog is probably dead. Um, after this, like we don't see the dog die, but if you are really sensitive to this, just know that it's implied that this dog is being taken away by clowns for nefarious purposes. Um, so, uh, the farmer, uh, obviously not excited about this. He punches the tent, but, uh, finds that it's metal and not tent material. So that, that's the first thing that knocks him down. Then he gets up and he grabs what he thinks is a support rope for the tent, but it's actually like some kind of electric cable. Mm-hmm. So then he gets shocked and falls down again. This one's wired. Yeah, this is wired. And then, uh, <laughs> then like out of nowhere from like off screen comes one of these clowns. And man, if you don't watch these, if you're not familiar with the clowns, it's like really hard to explain because they do look like real f- faces, but not human. Clearly not just like a human with a f- painted face. Like they're like all extremely exaggerated features. Yeah, like really awkward features but they're all done with like this practical effects like stuff that is some kind of like animatronic masks that like move parts of their face and they always say like so many of them just have like goo dripping out of their mouths so they're like slimy Ugh. so that's why this is the first of many times that one of the clowns comes out and goes like hoo, 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 like in the weird alien noise and uh he smiles because it's a clown and was like there's no chance that i would smile if this was in my face Right. I don't care if it's supposed to be a clown. It doesn't look like anything on earth. And this is not the only time that people will see them and smile like they're like cute. They're not cute. They're monstrous. It's like that's like a push against my suspension of disbelief to believe that any human being would look at that and not be instantly off put. Well, that happens a couple of times. And I was like thinking like, OK, do they have some like ability to like hypnotize people? It's, like, I don't know. it's kind of hard to tell because usually like people are amused by them until they be turned sinister and then they react appropriately, but too late most of the time. Right. Anyways, whatever. I don't have to get into my uh, upsetness about this right now because we have to go uh, go back to a problematic cop. So uh, Officer Mooney comes in with a couple of uh, in my notes. I say flock of seagulls looking dudes. Yeah. <laughs> very, <laughs> very. Very uh, new wave style, long coats, fingerless gloves, like the one has like like, slicked up hair. Yeah, it's like very new wave looking guys. Um, so uh, I guess they're being arrested because they had wine, and Mooney just hates the college. He thinks it's ruining his town, so he wants to arrest uh pretty much any college students that he finds and blame them for all of the problems. Dave tries to chill Mooney out once Mooney starts just abusing one of the like college kids in front of him. Like he just starts like hitting this kid and like like grabbing him and like throwing him under the desk and stuff like that. Is like, man, thank God cops don't do stuff like that anymore. But then um so like Wow Dave what? But anyways, Dave <laughs> Dave uh Dave uh basically threatens Mooney. He's like, you know, if you keep like abusing citizens, like, you know, I will make sure that we have your badge. So like him and Mooney are at odds uh, early on, which uh, is going to come back to bite Mooney later because he is going to get himself killed. But anyways, Mike and Debbie arrive in his SUV at the end of like an access road. Um, It seems to be the end because there's a fence preventing them from going further. So they've like moved as close as they can to this location. And I put in my notes that uh, Mike wastes no time before engaging in an offensive, but also 
bafflingly bad impression of a Native American tracker. Yeah. Because like he, he's number one, he's calling himself like like a Native American tracker, but his accent, while clearly offensively something, doesn't sound very Native American. So it's like, I don't know if I should be offended because he's doing this or if you should be offended because he's doing it so poorly. In any case, Debbie's amused by this, so shows she doesn't have a uh, very good judgment. Uh, after his very annoying many, 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 many moons bit, Debbie calls him chief running at the mouth. I'm like, oh, y'all are about to get canceled. Um, and then uh, they come across the circus tent. Um, Debbie, uh, being a person of at least a modicum of sense, even though she wanted to investigate this earlier, does not wish to approach. But Mike insists and says that he can leave her behind, uh, but she'll have to be alone, uh, kind of pressuring her. So she decides to go. Um, we get to we finally get to the interior of the like ship. Um, it's kind of weird because it's definitely like what you might expect, like very colorful. Like sometimes there's like a weird haze about it, like a lot of glowing stuff. But like the geometry is sort of weird. Like it's like everything's just kind of like askew with it. Would yeah. you say it's a good description of it? Like a fun house almost. Sort of like a fun house, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they go uh to a doorway and they push like there's like some buttons on it and they just push the buttons randomly until one of them opens and it basically sucks uh Mike and Debbie in. It's like an elevator that takes them to the top of like this chamber. And this is when they realize they're not in Kansas anymore. Cause it's like a huge like uh like what is it like one of those like lightning ball things like one of those like glass balls with like lightning in it like at the top yeah. of this massive chamber like clearly some kind it's intended to be some kind of like uh some kind of power station area like all up and down it there's like like electricity running up and down conducting through it um yeah as i can say debbie uh once they go out of there and go back down debbie deduces that this is the shooting star that they had seen and is this the point where she says, uh, like, I don't believe in UFOs, but if I did believe in UFOs and this would be one. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but someone's approaching. So they decide to go into the elevator again um, or like hit a button on another panel or a door they can duck into. And it takes them to this area that looks like there's like a bunch of cotton candy hanging all around. Um, and, uh, you know. I think that Debbie is telling him that, that this isn't how this isn't how uh, cotton candy works. This isn't how you make it. Uh, and Mike, uh, being uh, an expert in being wrong about everything, says, of course, this is how they make uh, cotton candy. And then rips a piece off to reveal the face of a dead person inside the cotton the, candy. I thought it was the farmer. It was the farmer. It looked like, yes. Yeah. yeah, it's the farmer. It's the farmer from earlier. He's dead. He's in cotton candy now. Um. Don't worry, we'll find out eventually what it is that they do with that. What is it then? Oh, yeah, this is when another clown comes in with another piece of cotton candy. Uh, so they hide while he hangs it up. Um, and then, what is it? This one must be like the cotton candy guy's face is already sticking out so they can see it. Because uh, Mike. No, they, they. Oh, you're right. Because Mike, right. Mike says from their hiding spot, like, it's Joe Lombardo, and says it out loud while the clown is there. It's yeah. like rookie mistakes, champagne or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like Mike's not the best at crisis. Clearly. Um, then, um, you know, they end up running uh, self admittedly. Remember like later we'll get to it, but he literally admits that he's like, ah, I kind of freaked out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he does. That's the one thing is like, he is an interesting character. Like, like that, uh, 
not what I expected him to be from the beginning when our first right. meeting of him was just like at make out point and stuff like that. He actually is a pretty interesting character, but uh, yeah, yeah. So they, they're on the run now. Uh, the clowns are following them and they are shooting him with a uh, popcorn gun, which t- doesn't seem at, the, at first to do anything that hurts them. It just sprays them with popcorn. Right. And don't they, doesn't she ask like, why are they shooting popcorn at us? He's like, cause they're clowns. It's like, yeah, pretty much. Sure. <laughs> that makes sense. Like, let me check the math on that. Carry the three. Yep. Checks out. That's the math. Um, so then, uh, once they go outside, they're like running through the woods and one of the clowns, uh, takes a balloon, a, like one of those balloon animal balloons. One of my favorite and makes, scenes. <laughs> and makes a balloon animal dog, which acts as like a, like a tracking dog and like barks and like leads the clowns. Just pretty funny. <laughs> Um, so good. yeah, so like, uh, but yeah, Mike and Debbie manage to get to the car. Uh, they run over a couple of clowns and, uh, don't really do any damage to the clowns. They just get back up, but they do manage to pop the balloon dog. So they take it down. And, um, so there you go. They're on the run. And, um, I think that this is, oh no, this isn't, this is almost it. So De- Debbie's insisting they tell the police, but, uh, Mike, uh, in my notes, I put pretty accurately predicts well, that, uh, it's so unlikely. you missed the jump scare. Which one? So like when they drive off the out of nowhere, that clown like leans into the camera shot. And then the one that fell off their hood just like sits up. And it's like an awkward like stare at the camera. Oh, yeah. They kind of sit up and, and like look at the camera. Yeah. I don't really think it was like jump scary. It's just like, oh, they're not dead. No, they're, but they're like, yeah, but it was just like the one clown just like leans over and looks at you. I thought it was cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They are looking at us. They're fourth wall breaking clowns. Because rules of physics don't make uh, any impact on them for the most part. Um, but yeah, and anyway, so Debbie is insisting they tell the police. But Mike, as I said, pretty accurately predicts that it is unlikely that they will be believed. Uh, but Debbie says she has a friend there. Who could it be? I bet it's not Dave, an old boyfriend that's going to cause some tension. But ultimately, they will work together. But we'll see. Um, become best friends. <laughs> yeah, so that's what Mike and Dave like sort of do, become <laughs> best friends. Um, so... Uh, yeah, then the clowns are like walking towards town, which I thought was pretty funny because this is like the start of like that like pretty fun like song that they play that isn't like the title yeah. song, but it's just like a really fun like eighties song. But uh they're like what is it, Crescent Cove or something is the name of the town? It's like just yes. painted on like it's hand painted on a white sign. Like, man, the budget was gone by then, huh? Because he just looks like he just put this together like with poster board. Well, that old man probably did it, and I think it's believable that he would probably do that, so Hey man, you can't speak ill of the dead like that. Yeah. But in any case, um, then, uh, you know, the clowns are approaching town and we start to see that they are in town. Um, like one of the clowns is like on his way to pass like a drugstore, but he hears some people coming. So he stops and pretends to be like an animatronic clown. Cause there's like an animatronic gorilla on the one side. that's like slowly moving. And he decides to do the same thing to like trick these girls into not knowing he's real, mm-hmm. which it's kind of funny as a bit, but also like what threat would they have been to him? He has like the ability to shoot them with a gun and turn them into cotton candy. <laughs> like they had no chance of hurting him. Although to be fair, maybe he knows that their weakness is actually surprisingly easy <laughs> to, to exploit. In any case, um, once they get to the uh, police station, uh, Dave uh, or not Dave, uh, Mike in a panic, like hits a mailbox. And then hits the police car, kind of. Like, man, if you want them to believe you, this is you're not off to a great start, like doing mad property damage to this right. area. Uh, but they're like describing, you know, the cotton candy cocoons and all this stuff. And uh, Dave is like, you know, not handling it well. 
uh, Mooney uh, gets a title drop. He says, so you're telling me these are killer clowns from outer space? It's like, he said it. He said that title. Um, and then at this point, I think it's that Mooney recognizes that Dave hangs out with the Terenzi brothers, uh, which was implied earlier because he said that they were pretty good guys. Uh, so he thinks that Mooney thinks that this like story is just like um, a way for them to draw up business for the Terenzi brothers new ice cream truck. Uh, Cause I don't right. know if I mentioned it, but the ice cream truck has like a clown head at the top. It's a very like sweet tooth style, you know, clown truck. It has a big glowing uh, clown head on it, but in any case, uh, which is important. It is important. Yeah. It's going to come in handy later in a weird way. But, um, so what is it now? We start to get to some, like, um, what some different like instances of, of clown like montage, like there's a random dude in the park who sees like a puppet show set up in a gazebo. And he thinks nothing of the fact that there's a middle of the night puppet show and stops to watch it. Um, and it basically is like a boy puppet and a girl puppet. And then the, uh, the girl puppet eventually uh, comes out with a ray gun and shoots the boy puppet. And then the guy laughs like, aha, you, that's pretty good effects for a puppet. But then he gets alarmed when the female puppet turns and like points the gun at him. And then a clown stands up from behind there. Like, and this is one of those instances where he reacts appropriately. This is a terrifying clown. And he look looks uh, suitably frightened. Um, yeah, thing had to be like nine feet tall. It was huge. Well, they're all huge. They're all huge and disproportionate. Anyways, uh, anyway, he's he doesn't run away fast enough. And he gets shot with the gun, which turns him into cotton candy. Um, mm-hmm. Back to the drugstore. Uh, the clown has turned the girls into cotton candy and is now just like making a mess uh, all over the all over the drugstore, which is uh, not uh, not welcome for the um, the pharmacist behind the counter. Who doesn't seem to be interested in leaving? <laughs> he just well, like he's just like oh, like sir, sir he's like oh, sir. oh, yeah, stop, yeah. He's like like he's like sputtering, like trying to like ineptly stop these clowns from their like mess making. Like so, that happens. Um, another another one is like a lady uh, hears a doorbell and opens it to find a clown with pizza, and then two pop out on each side. And then she's like, what? She's like, oh, pizza, huh? Like, whatever. She's just like, yeah. but then when they open the pizza box, one of the clowns is in it. And I'm like, I don't understand so cool. how that is because he's way bigger than this. But yeah, like, so you see like the clown pop up from the inside the pizza box and then, you know, Ray gun her with like the gun that turns him into cotton candy. Um, another one is a, but uh, an older lady opens the door to uh, get a heart shaped box from one of the clowns. And uh, she turns to, like, thank her husband, like, oh, you're so sweet for doing this. But, like, while she's turned around, she's ray gunned because the clown pulls out a ray gun and gets her. So, well, and you, she asked her husband, Jim, was this you? And, like, for sure, that guy's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I got these for you. Yeah, yeah, sure. He's going to take credit <laughs> for this clown's thing until it, like, you know, turns his wife into cotton candy <laughs> or cocoons in cotton candy. I guess it doesn't turn them into it. Um, right. That'd, that'd be, yeah. That would be crazy. It would be crazy. Um, yeah, but then what's next? I think uh, like at this point, Dave has agreed to go with Mike to investigate the uh, site of the circus tent. Um, but he demands that, uh, you know, Debbie goes home, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Because we said, or I could take you to the station and lock you up for safekeeping. Yes, that's right. That's right. So they, well, yeah. thank God he didn't. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because they, spoiler alert, the clowns will uh, make their way there. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, uh then uh, that's when, uh, you know, uh, Debbie asks 
if uh, she can speak to Mike privately, I think. Um, and you know, it's revealed that Dave is her old boyfriend as we probably suspected at this point. So like mm-hmm. Mike's like, are you kidding me? Like now I have to like ride with your old boyfriend and stuff like that. And it's super funny. Cause he likes a lot of times is like trying to explain to Dave. It's like, look, man, I had no idea that she was like, had been seeing you or whatever. And like, Dave is just like, it doesn't matter. Like, shut up. Like, it's like very funny how like Mike is constantly trying to apologize to Dave for like stealing his girl or something. <laughs> Cause like by all accounts, her relationship was over. It's just very funny how that key. It was like an awkward amount though. It was just like, like he just keeps right, bringing like, it up. Man. Yeah. yeah. He's, and even he's like, all right, dude. Yeah. Oh, oh, but that, and then this is another point. Like Mike is, uh, tells like, I think it is that, um, what is it? Debbie wants to follow along, but Mike's like, no, like I'm the like, tensions are already kind of high. I don't really want to like get him any more pissed at us than he already is basically. Mm-hmm. So it's like, tells her to stay home and like, he'll let, he'll come talk to her when it's done. Um, so yeah, they, uh, then we get another cut back to, uh, what the uh, drugstore clowns are doing, and they're still doing a mess, making a mess, doing some slapstick comedy with like some baby powder or something. Like they open it and then they sneeze and get powder everywhere. It's like, haha, slapstick comedy with these clowns. Um, so there you go. Enjoy that. Uh, next up, uh, we're back at the location of the tent. It is gone, and there is a giant hole here. And this is where I thought Dave was about to take a turn into like heel category because he like basically instantly decides to arrest Mike. Even though, like, there is a hole in the ground. <laughs> like, True. Yeah, but he's like, you think you can joke around about humans being dead? And then Mike, like, says, you know, I mean, you know, Debbie saw it, too. And he's like, she did, didn't she? Or whatever. Um, in any case, that's that's pretty much where they're at. Uh, we cut over to probably one of the funner, uh, funner scenes in this movie. I mean, there's a lot of fun ones. <clears throat> there's like a basically this biker uh, biker biker bar type place and a clown like arrives on like a colorful like it's like a bicycle on like training wheels with, like mm. a little horn on it he's like like coming up there you know um <laughs> so he comes up to uh like in this colorful vehicle to the bikers and then like this big biker asks if he can ride it and the little clown shakes his head and then he asks if he can like beep the horn the clown nods and then the guy just picks it up and like destroys it just like picks up the entire bike and just destroys the clown's bike which you know isn't gonna go his way so the clown like pretends to cry for a second then jumps up and then jumps back with boxing gloves on he's like shadow boxing around this guy like doing like the alien voice equivalent of like put him up kind of yeah um so good yeah and then the guy says what he's like so what are you gonna do knock my block off and guess what? Guess what he does? He punches his head off straight. His head flies off into a garbage can. And the the one like that you think is like the lead biker is like, oh shit! Yeah, it's like, oh <laughs> shit! Like, <laughs> like gets on his bike, jump on their bikes. Yeah, everyone like the women scream and like everyone's getting on their bikes and riding away after he punches this dude's head off. It's like, yeah. Well, he did say he's gonna knock his block off, so there you go. Oh yeah, there's like a uh bur- that we're back at the burger place again, and this is kind of an interesting. Uh, tense scene. Um, what is it? There, there's like a, a couple of parents that are basically, um, they they're basically not paying any attention to their kids, and they're just talking about like how it's not as much fun going out as it used to be. Presumably because they have kids now. It's kind of they're just kind of neglectful overall of their children, which in this right. case is bad because there is a clown outside. 
that catches one of the little girl's eyes and is like motioning for her to come out. And again, she's smiling because clown, even though this is a terrifying clown, this is like one of the big ones with like the yellow teeth and like the dripping, like dripping, like drool out of the mouth and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he almost gets the girl to the door, right? Right. So she gets like, she gets all the way to the door and we see that he has a mallet behind his back, presumably to bash the girl's head in with. Right. But the mother must finally have paid attention and notice that the girl is missing. So she comes and stops her. Um, yeah, which God. obviously upsets the clown. I put uh, leading to a very unhappy clown is what I put in my notes, but yeah, absolutely sinister face. Um, so yeah, Dave, uh, Dave goes, uh, drives their cop car to the makeout spot. Um, he notices that the cars, uh, all seem to be empty and is walking around investigating. Um, and then he, he gets to like one of the vehicles and sees that there's like cotton candy residue on the inside, or it's pretty much like all cotton candy in the inside, like cotton candy spider webbing basically inside of like one of these SUVs and reads. Yes. Yeah. Christopher Titus's character. Cause he finds what is it? Dave finds, um, his glasses, his glasses. Yeah. Um, and then that's when he like brings the glasses to Mike and like lets Mike out, uh, and uncuffs him because he's like, okay, there's something to this. And that's why I said like for a second, I thought Dave was taking a heel turn, but then as soon as he finds evidence, that supports the theory. He immediately releases him. Yeah. Yeah. But that's when Mike is like, those were, yeah, those were Bob McReads and he's dead. Then if you found them in, in cotton candy and all that. So yeah, dead. Um, what do we get then? Um, Oh, Mooney back to Mooney. Uh, he's at the station and he's reading something and laughing about it. Uh, when he gets a call, uh, from a woman talking about how there are clowns uh, breaking her property and they're at her at his front door. And uh, again, Mooney uh, deciding this must be part of like the Terenzi brothers, like elaborate prank. So rather right, than yeah. like help her or any of the other callers that are about to call, he just goes to a drawer and pulls out a bottle of whiskey and takes a drink of it. Um, <laughs> then the next call he gets is from the pharmacist, like the, the drugstore guy. Um, who is saying like, you know, there's a problem here. And he explains like about the clowns and then Mooney's like, wow, not even you like, not even he says the, the pharmacist name, but I can't remember like Mr. Whatever. It's like not even you, but then he hears that guy scream because he's been cotton candied. Um, and then he gets a call from another guy whose wife was taken. He's, he's like, my wife was taken in a balloon. He's like, well, then you shouldn't be calling the police. You should be calling a psychiatrist. He's right. like, and this was like, was the whole town in on this is like, or maybe something's actually happening, dude. Like use some police work because he's just writing off all of these calls and he's getting a ton of them. Yeah. So like, yeah, Mooney thinks that the, um, the Terenzi brothers are making the entire town prank him. I think at this point he starts to think that maybe it's like on purpose to try to get him fired as a police officer. Like the entire town has it in for him, like very secure, normal guy thoughts. Um, then, Oh, this is like a pretty fun kill. So, there's a, a guy driving in his car when suddenly like a clown pulls up beside him, but he's like driving an invisible car <laughs> and he starts like running him off the road and like runs the guy off the road. And <clears throat> this is actually kind of funny. So the guy who's in the other car is like, come on, Joe, like we can do this. Like we can get out of here because that guy is actually Joe Lombardo, who is yeah. the corpse that we see later. And this scene was earlier, to, or earlier. and we were supposed yeah. to have 
uh, had this scene earlier in the movie, and this was supposed to be how Joe Lombardo died. That is him. But what happened was, so at this point, the, the clown runs his car off the road and his car flips and goes down, but it doesn't explode. It was supposed to explode. So since the explosion didn't happen the way that it was planned, they decided to just move it later in the movie. But you still have the part where he says, oh, I'm, come on, Joe, like as it is Joe Lombardo. So that's a little fun. What's fact. weird is I didn't even, I didn't see a credit for Joe Lombardo in the like when I looked in the credits. Did you? No, I didn't actually. Yeah. Maybe so I thought uncredited. that was kind of weird too. Yeah. But in any case, um, we have, Oh, and I put that scene sort of weird because if he's like dead from a car crash, how are they going to get con candy from, him? I don't know. Maybe they'd still take dead bodies and make con candy. Um, back to Debbie. Uh, she's getting ready for a shower. Uh, she doesn't realize that the popcorn that fell off of her clothes is moving on its own on the ground. <laughs> so something spooky is going to happen with that popcorn. Stay tuned. Um, then we cut to like the clown that was outside the burger joint earlier, trying to lure the girl. He failed to lure the girl. So he like, uh, goes to like a dumpster and then dumps a bunch of popcorn in it. Um, so we're about to understand more about what's going on with these, uh, with these, um, popcorns. Uh, Debbie doesn't know it cause she's in the shower. Uh, but the hamper where she put her clothes is shaking because there was popcorn on it. Starting to see that this popcorn might be more than meets the eye. Um, so back to the burger joint, uh, an employee is throwing some trash into the dumpster. And he hears some squeaking. Uh, I guess he thinks it's mice or something. So he investigates, uh, but whatever's in there pulls him in and then obviously murders him. So that's the thing. Don't investigate noises. Always leave them be. Um, Truth. <laughs> uh, now we get, I think this is the part where, where Dave finally witnesses some clown action. So uh, there's like a bus stop and one of the clowns is like doing uh, shadow puppets for a small crowd and this this is the scene that out of every other scene in this movie this is the one that traumatized me the most as a kid like i still think like i used to think about this scene all the time so um so yeah go on <laughs> well i don't know why it just stuck with me <laughs> but um so the clown's starting like like does like a bunny and then he does an elephant, which seems impossible. And like some of the people on the, in the crowd are like jeering him. Most of them are cheering, but a couple are jeering. It's like, come on, what he's doing is impossible. You should be concerned. Then he makes like a Washington crossing the Delaware. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. And then he makes like an attractive woman, like silhouette who's like shaking her hips. And then he makes a T-Rex with glowing red eyes that just eats them all. <laughs> just in what shrinks them. It does, yeah. It well, it eats yeah. it, like it like grabs them, consumes them, yeah. yeah and then yeah. when it consumes them, it shrinks them to handheld size, and he drops them into the bag with the popcorn. So I wonder what popcorn is going to become that might be interested in little tiny humans. Yeah, I wonder. I whoa 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 wonder. Big popcorn. Yep, that's it. That's what it is. Uh, but yeah, so Mike and Dave had pulled up when this was happening, and <laughs> Mike freaks out. And like somehow hits the accelerator on the cop car. I have no idea how he managed to do that. And Dave's like, what the hell, man? Like, let's get out of here. Uh, so like they almost uh, run the clown over, but the clown said flies into the air. Just normal clown stuff. At that point, Dave radios Mooney to try to get help from the state police. Uh, and this is when Mooney starts to go on about like he, he refuses to entertain the notion. He believes that this is all a scheme to get him to leave the force and that the entire town is in on it. I feel I feel like he must have at that point hit that whiskey a few more times because that does not make any sense 
that like everyone in this town that he's lived in presumably for years just has it out for him unless he's like truly as bad of a cop as he seems to be which is possible it is possible <laughs> even probable dare I, guess. Dare I say pl- yeah, yeah dare i say plausible dare, dare i say probable um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, Dave is uh, heading back to the station to get help. Uh, at that point, what is it? The uh, the Terenzi brothers come running out chasing their truck. I don't know what happened if someone like stole it or if the girl stole it or something. But they were like chasing their truck that had run away from for some reason. Um, but this kind of gives uh, Mike a chance. He's like, uh, t- says to Dave, like, Dave, you go back to the police station, get back up and all that. I'll go with the Terenzi brothers and try to get the word out that there's some clown shenanigans. So, you know try to split up and, and, you know, conquer. Cause at this point it's kind of become a buddy cop movie between Dave and Mike. They pretty much get right. along now, or at least it is on Mike's side. Mike really seems to like Dave. I can't tell if Dave is like just tolerating Mike, but it really seems like Mike is like down to be like buds with Dave now. <laughs> um, the Terenzi brothers and probably the only relatable thing they do, uh, don't believe Mike. But uh, he convinces them by uh, uh, convinces them to take him to Debbie's by telling them that she has uh, two uh, very attractive roommates, one for each of them. Being because they're not very bright, they believe this. I even put that in the in my notes. I said these guys aren't that bright. Um, so what is it back back at the police station? Uh, Mooney is like looking at the two phone lines and seeing all the light ups of all the calls coming in. And he says, like, I made it through Korea. I can make it through this bullshit. Like, hey, man, maybe something's <laughs> happening. Like, she at least investigate one of these claims. But then at that point, a clown comes into the police station. Um, he, uh, The clown offers Mooney some flowers, uh, which are one of those, like, what, squirt you with water flowers. Uh, right. And I remember when we were watching this with, like, other people, and they someone said, I thought it was going to be acid in this, in the, in this uh, flower. It's like, no, these clowns uh often do sinister versions of tricks but sometimes do just tricksy versions of tricks like they just want to keep us the audience on our toes about their clown shenanigans um so uh uh mooney what turns the clown around and and cuffs him uh tells him that he's what in mooney's jail and he doesn't have rights here's like i would this is the part where i'd read you your rights but you're in mooney's jail and you don't have any rights it's like ooh. Yeah, well, don't worry. Well, yeah, he's going to get his. But like, that's the thing is like he's very like doing one of those like what's Brian Dennehy's character in Rambo kind of thing. Like, right. Just, yes. Like a small town sheriff guy here. So, yeah, um, the clown's hands detach, leaving Mooney holding the detached cuff hands and then like scampers into like the jail room. And then what is it? Then like in the jail room, you know, the two new wave dudes are still in there and uh, Mooney like uh you know puts the clown into the jail cell and the clown's just letting this all happen and he gets out one of those like uh what are they like those party favor like blower yeah things? Like, like the and extends yeah one of those extending blower yeah, things i don't know what it's called yeah but he takes one of those out and then he like like blows into it but then it turns into like a hand that like grabs mooney by the throat and like smashes his head into <laughs> into like the bars <laughs> um so then like it's kind of a funny moment because then like the clown turns to the two new wave guys and the one's like, you know, uh, so what are you in for? <laughs> you know, <laughs> trying to make conversation. Uh, they're going to die. Just so you know. They, yeah, it, for it's sure. funny, but they're actually going to die. Uh, back at the police station, uh, Dave arrives to the place being dark and they're like la- large clown sized feet. Uh, like they're clearly detached, like they're made out of like paper or wood or something, but they're like all over. 
like they're on the floor in towards the jail area, but then in the jail area, they're also like on the walls and all over the place. Um, and then, you know, gets to the jail and Dave discovers, uh, some additional cotton candy cocoons. Um, and then while he's opening one, we get a sudden, uh, bloody arm jump scare from a cocoon above him. So spooky. Um, uh, Dave then goes back out to the main office. Uh, and this is like kind of a funny scene cause he doesn't see the clown. The clown is like facing the opposite direction in a swivel chair, but then it like mm-hmm. turns around <laughs> and like, and it's holding, uh, Mooney as like a ventriloquist dummy on its lap and like making him talk and, and, and everything like that. And it had like painted like such a good scene. Yeah. It's so funny. And actually was like earlier because like, what was it uh, earlier on? Mooney had said something about like, you're not going to make a dummy out of me or something. Right. And it's like, well, here's the thing. You are going to be a dummy. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we kind of get a little bit more of an idea of like how sinister the clowns are. Cause they are all about goofs, but they say something like, uh, don't worry, Dave. All we want to do is kill you. Right. Um, and, and then it pulls its hand out of, cause it actually had its hand in Mooney's back. And it does the flick. And it pulls, yeah, it pulls like its bloody hand out. I'm like, oh man, this is surprising that they could get away with this in PG 13, dude. That's pretty gruesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then the clown is like advancing on Dave slowly and he starts shooting it. I'm like, oh, come on, Dave, just run away. Don't shoot it. But he actually finds out that what their weakness is, it's bullets. No, no, it's just not the bullets, but it's, uh, it's bullets. It's to shoot them in their big red noses. It's their parents' approval. <laughs> so, so yeah. Once they shoot, once they shoot them in the nose, they what? They start spinning and like make a green energy tornado and explode, right? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty like cr- all cool. clowns. Yeah, like just like just like Earth clowns. Same real life. Yeah, just like Earth clowns. This yeah, outer space clowns uh, die when you shoot them in the nose. Then what is it on the radio? Uh, someone from the state police is contacting Dave about their the reports of circus clowns. So at this point, like the reports have gone outside of even their like local police station. Like uh, Dave tells them, you know, people are being killed. Send back up, whatever. Like he gets really frantic, and I understand why because he just like you know murdered a space clown by shooting it in the nose, and it spun into a green tornado of energy and exploded. But like the state police aren't fighting him on this. Like they've heard the reports and they want to investigate. So they're just basically like, what are we go getting into? You know? So it's very funny that he's like, yeah, people are dying. There's clown nonsense up, up to it. And the state police is like, yeah, man, we're on our way. So backup is on the, is on the way. Um, and then in the, what is it over the speaker of the ice cream truck? One of the Terenzi brothers uh, is asking if there are any clowns from space around, like just being kind of a, a jerk. Um, but luckily we get to see them proven wrong. Uh, they, I guess they, they don't believe Mike cause I guess Mike had previously pranked them with some stuff. And it was, I think one of the trendsies, I think Paul says, if there are killer clowns out there, then I'm porky pig. Uh, and almost like instantly they go around a corner and there's like a huge parade in the middle of town with the killer clowns, like collecting cotton candy cocoons full of people and throwing them onto their like parade float. Mm-hmm. and uh and like just and there's like streamers it's kind of funny and they're like throwing them from the buildings like they're throwing out the window of the buildings like all these cocoons full of people that they've got and i just don't understand the point of the music because they also have like like carnival music playing while they're walking through town collecting cotton candy is that just like their jams that's just their music yeah they they try to do some exposition later of why that is but it's like I think they would have been better just to let it go. Yeah. Well, the idea they, they say later is like what, like 
actually everything they, we know about clowns and circuses right. is because of their visits. Like we modeled after them. It's like, then why do we make it fun? Like that doesn't make any sense. But in any case, uh, luckily for uh, Mike, um, you know, uh, as soon as they go around that corner, there's like a guy who's hiding under a car. Uh, he tries to make a run for it and he gets lasered into a cotton candy cocoon. So that basically gets the Terenzi brothers on board. They spin that uh, ice cream truck around. Uh, surprised they didn't flip it because that thing looks like it's uh, rocking all the time. <laughs> um, then we get back to what's going on with Debbie because there's some there was something in her hamper, right? Yes, they were clown-headed snake monsters that have sprouted from the popcorn. <laughs> Two of them pop out from the hamper. One pops out from the mirror, and then one giant one comes out of the toilet. Where that one came from, I don't know. Like, I guess some of the popcorn crawled into the toilet and then somehow got bigger. Um, but like in the pantheon of toilet based scares, uh, you didn't have a snake with a clown head on, on the list. Um, you don't, you don't say. Yeah. So <laughs> basically, uh, yeah. The, so she like kind of fights them for a minute. She doesn't really have anything to do. So she just kind of runs out of there. Uh, she gets to her front door and then she hears Mike. It's like, Mike's like, Debbie, let me in You're like, or whatever. But then when she opens the door, it's a clown. Just imitating Mike's voice somehow. Don't know how. That was know. cool. Yeah, it was scary as hell because she opens the door and there's one of those like scary ass clowns. Ones. Yeah, one yeah. of the big ones. So she's like trying to figure out a way out. She runs to uh, a window. Uh, but then, of course, there's a bunch of clowns down uh, down there waiting for her. They're like holding one of those trampolines like dressed as firemen. It's like, man, they have a lot of like human uh, pl- human planet based props for being space clowns so um so she you know she tries to run again but then when she turns around um they're there but rather than put her in a cotton candy cocoon they put her into a balloon there's like a big old balloon that we'd heard about over the phone but this is our first time seeing it yeah i I wondered why they picked the balloons or cotton candy i didn't know they don't explain it which is fine but mentally i'm like i wonder why they pick because it's not like a male female thing because the two women in, in the uh, drugstore were dispatched handily. Um, yeah, they were cocooned. without prejudice. So yeah, so yeah, I yeah. don't know like what the what the decision is to put some some in balloons. Yeah. Could be like like we definitely have a squares and rectangles thing because we do know that uh, you know all all balloons are women that we know of, but not mm-hmm. all women are balloons. Some are cotton candy. Correct. So yeah. at least there's something else going on. Maybe there's some reason someone's that they choose. Um, I don't know. Yeah. They, they, we don't really get any, maybe if they ever, the Chiodo brothers ever get their sequel, we can find out more about this. Um, Let's do it. Yeah. But in any, in any case, um, the balloon is tied to like a clown car, um, which Mike and the Terenzi brothers see because they're arriving. Um, and the balloon does float. Which is really cool. I don't know like what their technology is, but she's like in it, but she, it does float still. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's a I put high speed ish chase because it's really not that fast. It's a clown car <laughs> and then an ice cream truck. Um, they're driving, uh, and then like at that point, like they go down the road, and then they pass uh, Dave in his cop car, and then Dave starts following them with his like sirens on, and mm-hmm. um, they they basically uh the the clowns panic the the Terenzi brothers panic whenever they see the cop car so they like slam on the brakes uh, at which point the cop car rear ends them 
because he was following them. He wasn't trying to arrest them. But the Terenzi brothers aren't the brightest bulbs. Um, but luckily, they all kind of like have this like mind meld moment. It's like, if the clowns aren't in the forest anymore, where would the clowns go to hide? And they decide it has to be the amusement park, which fortunately they are correct. The clowns have taken advantage of the amusement park surroundings and parked their ship over there. But meanwhile, at the amusement park, um, there's a security guard who sees the clowns arrive and tells them they have to leave. And this is kind such of a, a, such a good scene, such a, such a funny bit because in like true clown car fashion, more clowns just keep getting out of the car and they, they're huge. Like these aren't even like human sized clowns. Most of these are massive compared to humans and they're still like pouring out of the car. Um, yeah, I love that scene. It was so, and then, and then they all like grab a bunch of pies and then throw the pies at him. And I was like, and I guess he's dead until we cut back to him and he is melted by the pies. Like they've melted him into a skeleton. And then one of the little clowns like walks up to like the pile of like pie and like melted human and puts a giant cherry on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't even know where they got this. Um, but yeah, he's dead. And so, okay. Right there. We had the second of two kills that I thought was up for like the murder of the movie. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so torn between those two. I think I think it's got I think it's got to be the pie one. But I really love the head the head punch. I though. love the head thing too, just because it's so unexpected. Yeah, like he just like literally punches that guy's head off. Man, I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah, uh, what's your gut telling you? Uh, I definitely didn't expect the dude to be melted by the pies and to be only a skeleton you, left. It's the cherry though. I think, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's the, just, it's how they go about like the whole scene. Like I know this is, we can't, this is unfair, right? If you would take the whole scene, do you want the biker smashing a bike and get his head punched off? Or do you want a clown car rolling up like nine, 12 foot clowns get out pie a guy to death and then put a cherry on it? I don't know. I got to go like, with I, the, the pie. When I, you describe it I like think that, it's, it's got to be I the think pie. it's the pie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause like, Obviously the kill is important, but like there's also set up to that. And I think the, I think the clown car gag with the, I, I think that's the best one for me. It shows so. a flair for the dramatic that they've had in the past, but never like with yeah. this much deliberation. Like I really love the, the amount of work that went into it in tandem. Like, yeah, they all were, they were ready. They, they knew what they were doing. So yeah, there yeah. you go. Our McMurder of the movie is the, nice. the pie death with a cherry on top. Cause like, so we watched this together with uh, friends of the show, uh, McMurray and, uh, Seymour, um, who actually were, uh, they're part of, uh, rebel revolver and they did the, uh, theme song for us for the, uh, park plaza mall during shopping mall. Yes. So go, go ahead and go check them out. Um, and we all in, instantly agreed it was the head punch when we were watching this together, but then the cherry thing happened. It was like, Ooh, I don't know. So. I was really feeling cherry pretty much instantly, but yeah. the head punch is awesome. Like to have two kills that are just like, I don't they we could go either way on it. That just sh shows a lot considering this is a PG 13 movie. Like, right. They still managed to get two pretty like gnarly kills that are just like really interesting. Um, yep. but there you go. That's our big murder of the movie. Um, so yeah, Mike, uh, Mike, Dave and, uh, the Terenzi brothers do arrive. <clears throat> they see the dead guard who's like skeletonized. And then they, uh, follow into the crazy house uh, since that's the way the clowns went. So there was like an, I think that they like replaced the ship on top of an existing like crazy house, like 
um like attraction to kind of hide it right um so while they're wandering around the Terenzi brothers are speculating about uh what the clowns are where they may be from why they're here and that's where we get kind of the conversation about how maybe our clowns are actually based off of encounters with theirs and stuff like that Mm -hmm. just some uh vamping while they go from position to position essentially um paul uh so i guess i could tell the brothers apart enough so paul sees a button on the wall and he lets his intrusive thoughts win and pushes it it lets out a loud honk and then uh like what is it then dave opens a door which then triggers a trap door that uh drops below the Terenzi brothers and they slide down into a ball pit. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and this is where it's like, Mike, are these even your friends. Cause like Mike says like, Hey, I don't worry about them. They always land on their feet, like zero concern for his friends that have disappeared in a place where we know there are murderous clowns. Yeah. Which is strange too. Cause it's like the whole movie. It's like all this crazy shit's happening. Nah, they're good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> they always land on their feet. I mean, that's, he was right. That's what I was saying. I think that Mike was ready for a friendship upgrade and he saw his opportunity for a friendship yeah, right. with Dave and he's taking it. Cause Dave, Dave equals both of them. Well, cause like, here's the thing. Mike is like the hero of the movie, at least according to like, he's got the actor as top billing. He's the ostensible main character, but it seems like Dave is the one who's like ultra competent and actually like skilled at stuff. So I feel like it's kind of interesting because instead of being like threatened by Dave, like the idea that Mike seems to love Dave is like an interesting twist on like what could have been like a standard like male budding male head, like kind of like, you know, dick measuring contest. And instead they like are working together. I think that's super fun. And even Dave like takes a huge swing at Mike. He's like, oh, I guess she's into the laughs over the stability. I was like, ooh. Yeah, like, like, like that's what I mean. Yeah. Dave wasn't even being that nice to Mike, but Mike just doesn't give a shit. He's just like, I'm with Dave right. now. <laughs> so, which is going to be another moment, which I'll bring up later on. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah, the Terenzi brothers, uh, you know, in the ball pit they've landed and they look up and they still, they see two female clowns. Uh, so the first time that we've ever seen any of the female clowns and, right. and he, what is one of them asks if they're Debbie's roommates? <laughs> Cause yeah, right. they're the dumbest dudes on earth. <laughs> and the one is like, it looks like she has like boobs that are inflating like balloons or something. Right. It's an alarming scene in many ways. I'm surprised this wasn't the more traumatizing one. Right. So the implication is of course they're going to be dead, right? Well, we'll find out. We'll find out what happens with the Terenzis. So where are we at? Uh, oh, Dave and Mike are looking around the cotton candy room. Uh, the the same chamber that we saw before, because now they see there are balloons around. Um, so they're trying to find the one that has Debbie when uh, one of those large clowns arrives. They hide. And this is like a scene that I know has traumatized a lot of people, which is that the this big ass clown uh, grabs a crazy straw. <laughs> And just sticks yeah. into the side of one of the cotton candy balloon, uh, cocoons and just starts drinking the blood of the human being inside. <laughs> and this is uh, this is the, what the that teach that T-shirt I had that I wore when we were watching this. Right. The one right, that was yeah. like trapped in a cotton candy cocoon. And it was just a clown with the crazy straw drinking a dude. Perfect. Classic. Scene. Perfect scene. Classic. Classic clown behavior. <laughs> it's clown. Typical clown nonsense. Yeah. Um, what is it? Uh, oh, they find uh, they find uh, I think that clown leaves. They find Debbie's balloon, uh, but Mike is unable to break into it. Uh, Dave, being the man of action that he is, uh, uh, you know, takes a risk and shoots the balloon, which frees uh, Debbie. 
And it mm. seems that she didn't have much air in there, so she might have eventually suffocated, I guess. Um, in my notes, I put that a uh, whimsical uh, uh, chase ensues, wherein uh, Dave demonstrates that he can now kill the clowns and blows one of them up. What was the... What was it then? Oh, they get to like a, they're like on this whimsical chase. So they go to like an area where there's a, um, a pole and, uh, you know, Dave stays behind to fire his gun while uh, um, Mike and, and Debbie go down. Uh, then once they're down, Dave goes to go down too. But then they stop him when he's on his way down, which is kind of a funny scene because they're like, why'd you guys stop here? And then they, they point down. And there's a monster further down the pole, like a giant worm of some kind. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, good reason. <laughs> it's like. Oh, we're just quipping now? Is that what this movie's become? <laughs> um, yeah, then like they, there's some really weird like set pieces here that like kind of defy explanation. Like at one point they run into like a sea angler. It like looks like a, one of those like uh ocean angler fish, like the deep sea ones. They like run into that structure. Uh and then they oh, yeah, and then yeah, it yeah. ends up in a room full of balloons, and then they run outside through the mouth of a different colored angler fish on the other side. It's like, what was that? What even was that room? And then yeah, it started getting a little silly. Yeah, this is the part where it just gets kind of goofy. So like they get to a door and Mike's like opening the doors. And he's like, another door, another door. He's, he's opening doors and they keep getting smaller and smaller. And each time he's like, another door. It's like, come on, this bit is done. But he finally gets to a small door and then it opens. Uh, but at that point, um, you know, the clowns are on approach in that hallway. Uh, Dave, who at this point had a shotgun, uh, realizes he's out of shotgun shells because I guess he brought three. Uh, you know, he's just assaulting like a clown base. Better bring like only three. Like I'd be classic. I'd Dave. have an entire bandolier. Yeah, it's like Dave, despite his competence, is not the best planner, <laughs> which we've learned. Yeah. So at this point, they they uh, you know go through into the next room. Uh, it's like a really large room with like a structure in the middle, and there's like structures on different sides. So the structures kind of look like blocks, like s- giant blocks that are kind of stacked. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they uh, they they uh, the clowns start emerging from these structures. So they climb up to the top of the one in the middle, and the you know, the clowns have them totally surrounded on like all sides, and they're moving in. It looks like it's over for our heroes, right, Shane? It does. But guess what? Suddenly, uh, the Terenzi, Terenzi brothers drive through the wall in their clown <laughs> ice cream truck. They're fine. Uh, they are just uh, their clothes are all ripped up, and they have like comedically large like lipstick marks lipstick, all over their yeah, faces yeah so they ended up i guess making out with the clown ladies so but um they they threw the loudspeaker they say that they are uh jojo and they command the other clowns to leave them alone which works <laughs> these clowns are just amazed and like there's like multiple reaction cuts like while like the here like debbie uh dave and uh mike are climbing down past these clowns they're just staring in awe at this like ice cream truck clown head so it's pretty funny um but uh then like there's something that changes like there's some kind of alert that happens and uh all the other clowns look up and they realize something's about to happen so they start running away um and then at that point uh what is it the jojo the they credit this thing as jojo the clownzilla right yeah, I saw it as Clownzilla. Clownzilla. But, you know, yeah, so yeah, they basically release the release the Clownzilla onto them, which is just one of the Chiodo brothers in a suit, actually, is the is the Clownzilla that we see. Nice. And uh, the Trenzi brothers, being the masters of making terrible decisions, uh, say they don't want to leave their truck. So, it's rented. Yeah, it's rented. 
So, so they're still in it while they're being attacked by uh, Clownzilla. Uh, Clownzilla grabs their truck and throws it, which explodes instantly. So that's got to be the end of the Trenzy Brothers, right? We'll find out. Yeah, anyway. for sure. <laughs> Anyways. Um, they can't always land on their feet, right? True. It's impossible. They can't always. Anyhow, uh, Dave runs out to distract the Clownzilla so that uh, Debbie and Mike can escape and go for help. Um, you know, Debbie and Mike both protest this. Uh, but Dave insists. Um, so uh, Debbie, Debbie and Mike make it outside. Um, and at that point, the tent is starting to take up its power cords, which suggests that it's going to depart. Um, Dave is grabbed by Clownzilla. It picks him up to like face level. Um, at that point, the tent is spinning like a top, like it's going to take off just as the police arrive. So it's not going to be one of those situations where the police are like, yeah, likely story. You guys probably are responsible for what happened. No, no, no. Right. They see the spaceship lifting off like we get reaction shots from many of the cops, um, including one that you guys made fun of the appearance of, which I didn't think was very nice. But one of them is kind of dopey looking. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the police see it happen. Um, you know, Clownzilla back to like Dave, you know, cut back to Dave being held by Clownzilla. But rookie move because Dave has his badge. So he takes off his badge and uses the pin to pop Clownzilla's nose, which works somehow. And it not only kills Clownzilla, but it causes the entire ship to explode. Killing all the town. Yeah, killing everyone who is, well, presumably they're dead if they're in cotton candy. But Yeah, true. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. And then at that point, the clown car flies to the ground and, and lands. So the cops are like, oh, man, clown is more clowns. But instead... It's Dave and Dave emerges from the clown car. And uh, this is the part that I thought was really funny because like Debbie runs up and hugs Dave. I'm like, well, of course, you know, she they dated or whatever. But then Mike runs up and like, I think he like gets in on that hug action. He's like, Dave's here. That's what I mean. It's like Mike is now best friends with Dave, whether Dave wants to be his friend or not. Mike's just going to start dating Dave now. (laughs) I mean, he does seem to have like a lot of affection for the man, which who can blame him? The dude is a hero. Um, But unfortunately in true clown car fashion the terenzi brothers also emerge from the clown car uh, their excuse was hilarious yeah they, they uh what they when they they hid in the freezer of their yeah, truck with the ice cream which with the ice cream which helped them survive somehow they had popsicles with them yeah oh of course how couldn't they how could they not um and this is kind of the ending is uh debbie does the you know do you think it's over or whatever at which point, uh, all three of them are hit in the face by pies, but apparently just regular pies because they don't say shouldn't that kill they them? They don't melt. Like, yeah, they just get hit in the face with pies. Yeah. Maybe you have to be hit with a bunch of them to melt you. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's like because you never know. It's, it's like their gags could either go one way or the other. So yeah, they're either brutal or just silly. Um, yep. And then we get the uh, another reprise from the theme song over the credits, so and that is the clowns the killer clowns the outer space variety hell yeah yeah so now that we've done that i guess we should move on to the judgment categories
transition. Add effects. I bet you're not gonna add effects, are you? Uh, we'll see. Oh my god. Yeah. I was pretty kind last episode, man. You were. You were. You're, you're right. So I, you know. I just never I know what keep... you're gonna do. You're unpredictable. Yeah. So um, that is true. So. <laughs> As uh, listeners may know, we do have uh, five judgment categories, but we have reworked them this time around because uh, I feel like we haven't been we've kind of double dipped on the writing and we haven't really done enough for like music and, and just general sound. So we've reworked them into uh, story, story slash writing, uh, acting, effects, music, sound and sound, and then that cult factor, that X factor that makes these movies so special. So giving a little bit more love to the music and sound design of some of these things, I think is a, is a worthy endeavor, especially if we can cover, you know, story and writing in one, since we tend to talk about them hand in hand anyway. Yeah, I think that was fair. And I, I found ourselves, we, we constantly, um, and sometimes we edited the stuff out, but you know, we're always like, ah, oh, well maybe we talk too much about story. It's like, okay, is performance acting, are they performing what's being directed? Is it written poorly? So I, I agree with your um your gut instinct to change that. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully so. the hopefully listeners you like it as well. Um if you have any feedback, you know, hit us up on social medias or if you know us just in person, I guess. Like uh, if we just yeah. talk in the meat space. Um but yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> to all right, to kind of kick this off then story, uh, you know, and uh, you know, writing too, whatever you want to cover with this. How are you feeling about it? I liked it. I thought it was cool. Um it was very self-aware of what it was doing, which is good. Like, I, I think it like steers away from taking itself too seriously. Like the howling two, um, <laughs> yeah. or three, which one we do two? We did two, we did two yeah, right? Your yeah. sister's a werewolf. Um, you know, so I, I think I, for me, I'd probably, I'd probably do a B or an A. Um, I, I kind of, I'm kind of interested to see what you think about this. Cause this is like our new, one of our new categories. So the one thing I Mashed like together. about a lot of these movies that happen in this era is how many of them are. So like what we have now in our modern era, the reason we look back with such affection at the eighties is because a lot of the filmmakers that are now able to make movies are making movies of a time they're nostalgic for, which is the eighties. So it's like a sliding scale, but then you look at a movie like this and killer clowns from outer space is clearly a throwback to those like fifties, like, sci-fi horror like adventures like everything invasive like alien invasion and stuff like that mm -hmm. like well like there's always a small town like the blob which is actually kind of funny because the blob remake came out the same year but like look at the blob it's like it's a small town it's an alien menace like you know it's like it's corny it's kitschy it's fun and there are moments in this that are like oh come on that's corny or whatever but it's like all tongue-in-cheek it knows what it is it knows right. what it's doing and, and as far as I like to, in, in these parts, to touch on the characters and especially like other than the Terenzi brothers who annoyed me, like a lot of the characters were surprisingly uh, like believable. Like the idea that I, I was so worried for a second that Dave was going to turn into one of those like movie cops that just like ignores what's going on right. around them. Like basically what, you know, Mooney is throughout. But it's like, no, when presented with new information, Dave adapts and like decides to work with Mike and stuff like that. It's like really cool to see He's a, a Bosch to see a, what he's a Bosch. What's that? Lieutenant Bosch. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Yeah. Bosch. That's the other one. Yeah. Bosch is another one. Like we need to make a list of these like 80s cops that don't do that trope where they ignore what's happening around them because like this 
Like, I feel like there's like this reputation that they're all like Mooney, but no, like, yeah, he's a, he's a Bosch. Like as soon as he sees the information or whatever, like consequences be damned, which is kind of funny when he calls like the state police and he's like, I know you're going to think I'm crazy. Clowns are killing people. Like, nah, we're hearing that too. We just wanted to know what to do, like how we can help. So like, I just like how, how that works. Um, you know, so I got to give it an A. I think that it executes its premise well. The characters are fun and interesting. The lore might not make sense, but it doesn't have to. It's for fun. Yeah. Like, we're here for a good time. But I think talking about the characters. I agree. So we're going to do A for that? Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. I think that's fair. But then a conversation about the characters obviously has to segue into the acting category. Right. Um, I... I I don't know. I'm I'm kind of forgiving of performances and stuff like this. I think on your high end, you have like Dave and Debbie and Mooney. Um, Mooney's Mooney's very good. Yeah, he's just annoying. Yeah. But it's like that's not the that's the the character's designed to be annoying <laughs> like, and irresponsible and like kind of shitty. Like that's how he's written. But like the way that he's portrayed is is excellent. Y- you have your weaker performances. I would say that you know I know that. Royal Dano's performance is supposed to be that country bumpkin farmer archetype, like Stephen King's character in that one creep show segment. It's -hmm. like, that doesn't mean that it's not annoying. (laughs) Look, right. So like he, his, his, and then the Terenzi brothers performances are for me, low points, but I really feel like everyone else like really carries their weight. And, and even like, um, like I was worried, like when, especially when she got caught by a balloon, that Debbie was going to be kind of damsel, like damsel in distress at that point. But she really isn't like she's like as much of a participant in what's going on as Mike is, which both of them are kind of on the run. But like whenever they were at the pole, I don't know if you remember this, but they're at the pole and like Mike was like hesitating about whether or not to go down. And Dave was like, go down. And Mike's like, I don't know. And then Debbie's like, I'm not getting I'm not getting put in a balloon again. And she just drops down. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, OK, like she's down for it. So, I mean, she was the one who spotted the she monster and stopped them first. So yeah yeah so like it's really cool so I, I would say like on the low end you have your terenzi brother performance you know but then like i think the our, especially our main trio of characters are great and and i don't know how much of the clown performances you put into um yeah into that's effects, tough how much is into acting because it is almost entirely animatronic but the way their physicality is also menacing which i think definitely involves whoever the performers are underneath the makeup like they they do a lot yeah, of their think, physical presence, which I think is is as much a part of it as like the grotesque faces and the and the animatronic effects. And that's something I wanted to ask you about, but I think you kind of put them in both, right? Because I I think you have to respect the physical work of the people in the actual like getup, but you also have to definitely give kudos to like the face um building like you know they did with the animatronics like all the uh makeup everything oh my god they they nailed those clowns oh yeah yeah they crush it so yeah for then acting though i'm probably gonna go a like i really thought that they were they were doing great work there okay i'll give it to you are you all right with it because i can be convinced i, I think a B. so it's just like no 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 those, it was good those terenzi brothers do drag it down for me but Luckily, yeah, but, they're, but they're, they're kind supposed of treated to, as a though. joke. Yeah, they're kind of treated yeah. as a joke, so I'm able to write them yeah. off. Yeah. So, but, like, did they perform their role badly, though? It's like, you know what I mean? No, I think that's what they were supposed to do. Yeah. I just right. didn't like it. But so, yeah, yeah I'll, so, I'll do an A. All right. Effects? I mean, it's, punch the dude's head it's off. Got, <laughs> it's, 
it's got to be a there's a couple of those after effects shots like with the comet flying through the air and like but they're not that bad no they're not that's i was gonna say they are there but they're not bad and they're used sparingly which is the way to do that okay good i was i was was gonna gonna, i was getting ready to fight you no but like yeah the stop motion animation and like the creature effects and everything that the chiodo brothers are so known for is full display like these clowns like i can't believe this is 1988 and they look this good. Like there's a reason that we still like this movie still like a, a like well-known like cult classic horror movie. And that is because a large part of it is like, no matter how much anything else ages, those clown faces, Oh man, they get you. So one thing I want to bring up and it's not a negative, but the scene where they're inside the spaceship, and they get to the room with like the Tesla coil kind of thing. Yeah. With like the sphere with the lightning. Yeah. yeah. That is 100% a reference to Star Wars. Oh, yeah. No question. Like it's crazy. And like I remember when we were watching it all together, I'm like, I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, I wonder if they reuse the same set. Um, But I, I think it, I think it was, I think it was CGI. I don't know. I don't think they actually built a set like that. So, you know, for us not being able to tell. Yeah, I, I think they, I think they nailed it. This is the spaceship. Honestly, as weird as the interior of the spaceship was, the way they incorporated like stupid clown crap into the spaceship was like I thought was phenomenal. Like the controls were those stupid wonky like hollow plastic baby <laughs> toys. Yeah, right. Yeah, they were. You know, um, yeah, I, I, I think they killed it. This was, this was, to me, this is like top notch special effects and not only the killing stuff, the set design, um, you know, everything. So yeah, I go a, yeah. I, and I do like how they did that. Like a lot of the fun house stuff in the, in the like, um, clown ship. It's like very clearly leaning into this aesthetic. Like if you're to believe the theory that we took our clown, like fun house imagery from these alien invaders, like that's kind of a silly idea, but at least they lean into it far enough that it's like it's it's just fine (laughs) it works fine so yeah i would say probably a for effects i mean it's hard to argue with those practical effects yep all right so we did a again now for the first time ever music and then also the sound design drum roll so what do you think i mean that theme had some theme song yeah like (laughs) come on yeah that's that that theme song that's a alone yeah, the only I do have to I have to be fair, just to be totally fair to, you know, how I was feeling about stuff. I will say that the the alien gibberish voices they use for the clowns is a negative for me. Like it sounds really silly and kind of superimposed. Yeah, I didn't really enjoy it. You felt differently? Oh, I totally felt differently because so when you first hear them, it's totally intelligible. And then as they interact with more humans, they they begin to, you start to kind of understand their like weird speech where like, it's like they say certain things. You're like, Oh, okay. I caught that word. And they were referring to something. And then by the end of the movie, they're able to mimic human voice. I thought it was so cool. I love that. Yeah. You know what? I've kind of come around on it. Just hearing you say that. Cause yeah. I, it, it did start out like really gibberish and kind of annoying, but then as it went on, I, I did soften on it and then it did eventually become kind of interesting. Yeah, think about that. It was kind of cool. Like the beginning, it was totally intelligible. And in um even even the uh closed captions are just like in like alien speak or something, right? 
But then like later on in the movie, they'll, I think they say like balloon, they say a couple other words and um, it picks it up in the closed captioning. I mean, like I, I think to me, I actually like the voices. It's kind of like a early version of the minions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess I could see how that's annoying, but like the pizza thing, like, come on. I, I don't know. I, I kind of liked it. Yeah. And then, you know, we did get a Wilhelm scream. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you gotta, you gotta, anytime you get a Wilhelm scream, that's, that's top notch sound work. So, all right, you, you got me a for the, I mean, this, the song does take it a long way. <laughs> the theme song, the killer clowns March or whatever. So, yeah. And even that, that song when they're doing like the murdering through town is really good. The, um, you know, I love these old eighties. Well, I, I shouldn't say old because I was born in the eighties. So, well, we're getting old, um, my man. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we are. Uh, these movies have a lot of Foley work because they like now like you can capture a lot of audio like on set of things happening. But like a lot of times when you hear things happening, it's people in a studio like recreating those sounds. Um, and there are a couple times like when Mooney gets his head slammed against the um, metal grate, you can kind of hear the ting. Like you can tell it wasn't actually him hitting his head off the metal gate. Um, it doesn't detract from this at all. I think it's actually kind of cool. Um, there's something, I don't want to say campy, but there's something like endearing about that Foley work to me um, that we don't get a lot of anymore. Or honestly, they're so evolved in how they do it. They're so good at mimicking those sounds. You can't tell that it's Foley work. So I don't know. I, I love the sound design in this. I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. A, A for sure. Got to give it up to it. Yep. Um, all right, but then I think this last category is going to be no surprise, but D. Uh, cult factor. Yeah. B for too many clowns. Yeah. C for yeah. clowns. Actually, they spell yeah, it with C a K, for... so then never mind. Yeah, K for Mortal Kombat, K for clowns. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Defenders of the Realm. Ed Boone, Ed Boone, that's for you. Ed Boone, put one of these in your yeah. game. But um, but no, yeah. So for cult factor, it's got to be A. This is like one of those yeah. like, and also I guess it didn't make a lot of money when it first came out. Cause we looked at the budget and saw that it made like 40 million or something on a, uh, like a one, like a one and a half, two million budget. But yeah. that was actually subsequent releases on its yep. initial run. It did not make a lot of money, which is wild to me. Like, this is like which one is of probably those, why there isn't a second one. Well, they will hear that. Ah, cause there's something going on with that. Cause they have been working on it for years. I don't know what's going on there. Like I, it's gotta be production issues or something. I'll call them. Call, call the Chiodo brothers. What are you doing? Working on another critters? Because I'd also like that. But yeah, so but I gotta gotta give them the A for the cult factor. This is just this is such like even people yeah. who don't watch this movie would know killer clowns from outer space. Like you show them one of those like grotesque ass clowns, put that up in front of them. It's like, oh yeah, that's that killer clown from outer space movie. Have you seen it? No, but that's them. Like that's those clowns. Like it's a cultural force of its own, like on its own right, just w- even without having seen it. Agreed. So that's uh, A's. A's across the board. Killer Clowns. Our second, our second perfect. Perfect. After after Night, Night of the Demons, right? No, Prowler. Oh, Prowler? Oh, yeah. we did ding Night of the Demons on something, didn't we? That's my fault. I, was, I, I shouldn't have done that. But yeah, Prowler is the other one. Wow, these are not very similar movies. <laughs> That's interesting. No, which is cool though. Yeah. Right? And I and look, it's all subjective. Um, but if you don't agree with us, you're wrong. So you yeah, know. If you don't agree with us, uh, <laughs> you're wrong. But speaking of 
uh, agreeing with us. That was a terrible transition. Um, we have another category that we have, which is called the D roll. I can't, I can't, I could, I could have added horns, but now you just did them. So good for you. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Talk about Foley work, but yeah. So the D roll, as our listeners know, is where we take, even though we just went through all of these categories, we do one more uh, category to rate this overall experience. Those are cult classic B movie grindhouse or trash and trash. Hopefully never comes up for us. I mean, we literally couldn't make that happen. Yeah, I think if there's a movie that was trash, rather than watch it, I would just not watch it. Truth. <laughs> like, but um. So I, I do have a comment on that. Go on. And I have a, as my experience in social media and research for these movies has expanded my knowledge. There is actually a pretty solid following for that trash genre, which I was actually shocked to learn, and not. Not so much as because like, look, they exist. I know they exist and they exist for reasons because people watch them. But I I was shocked to see the outward support for some of these movies. But I guess like there's like a genre for it. And then I guess in my mind, there's movies that would go into that category. Not agreeing with either, but I'm just saying I think like what I would consider trash, probably the people that are fans of that genre would not even consider that trash. It, it's really weird. It's almost like a, like our label versus what is widely accepted as a label, but we also put that stuff inside of like that's like the square and circle thing you were talking about, right? Um, yeah, it's it's all subjective. All trash the, movies are the- trash, <laughs> but but not all. Like you know what I mean? So yeah, and just knowing the genre you're talking about, there is a lot of um, a lot of scholarship on that. Like there's a lot of discourse about it. Like, like whether it's like, is it like, you know, feminism? Is it a reaction to feminism? Is it, what is it exactly? So there's a lot of way smarter people that have opinions about that. It's just like, especially like the, I spit in your grave types just make me so uncomfortable that I don't even want to entertain the idea. (laughs) So like, even if you're going to tell me that there is like value in it because of X, Y, and Z, it's like, great. I'm glad there's value in that. (laughs) It doesn't mean I have to entertain it. Like correct. Yep. So yeah. But uh for this one, it's gotta be it's gotta be called classic. I mean, this is this is a called classic. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean <laughs> I mean it's just it, it checks off so many boxes. Um it's got the perfect storm of weird I horror, I guess, gore, um camp. I mean you it literally checks off every box. This is and I know we said the Prowler was amazing. This is probably one of the better ones that we've kind of gone through. You know, I love the stuff and all roads lead to Chud, but you know, this one, all this is like, the, Chud. this is like the pinnacle of eighties movies for me with like the music and the, the subject matter and stuff. Um, yeah, it doesn't Chud. I think but it, it does really clown, holds up. So it's very good. Yeah, it does with a K. Yeah, it does clown with a K. 
Yeah. And, and yeah, I agree with you. This it, it holds up. It's a great group watch considering that there was like four of us watching it and this is just fun. Like some of these movies like are really good. Like I mean, I think some movies are really good just to watch. And I think Prowler mm-hmm. is that. I think Prowler is just good. Like a really good like horror movie. But like yep. Killer Clowns, especially in a, it's group, a feel good slash like really feel good. Slash. Well, no, but what I mean is like there's a lot to it and stuff. You don't need to have a group to enjoy it. And I'm not saying you need to have a group to enjoy Killer Clowns, but like having a group does help. It's a lot of fun. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's an experience. Yeah, for sure. Yep. With a K. <laughs> uh, where does the K go? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think. Uh, I look, if you guys can't tell, we love this movie and I implore you to watch this. It is leaving streaming services soon. Please go watch this movie. It is PG 13. Um, and I, I do think it was because there was no nudity in the movie. Um, so I think that's how they were able to get, which honestly was probably a huge get for them and is probably why they were shocked that it didn't do well because imagine like all these, but that could also be, like on the flip side, it didn't get the R rating, so people didn't take it seriously. So, um, it's pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah, with horror movies, you never know. It kind of goes both ways on that. It does. Like nowadays, if I see a horror movie come out PG thirteen, I was like, oh, great! Like you're gonna cut away during any gore scenes. There's gonna be a lot of jump scares that like don't really go anywhere. As opposed to an R one, is like at least you know you're gonna see some gore. And this one, do you, you think, don't really see the gore much. Do you think that the rating system? drove like you know you talk about like the arms race in real life like let's like talk about like the horror arms race like everyone's trying to top the next person right so you get that's what kind of bred stuff like saw human centipede um you know we could the list goes on right like i've always wondered if the rating system helped like perpetuate that like if it didn't have that shock factor or wasn't like gruesome that it that people wouldn't go see it. Cause like, let's think of like a really popular movie. Like, um, was that paranormal activity it was huge. Remember that was like a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And outside of like some of the scenes where they, there's a couple like adult subject matter scenes. And then I guess like where there's one scene where I think it's a little gruesome with the dog and stuff that easily could have been a PG 13 movie. Right. Um, but it was still yeah. scary. Yeah. So I think it's I think having PG thirteen attached with fear and horror, um, not being successful is kind of not fair. Or like successful as a movie, not as like a critical success. I'm talking like did it succeed what it kind of set out to do. So I'll get off my soapbox now. Well, yeah, I mean, I it's a fine soapbox to be on, but that's like that's like so so many conversations about about that. Yeah, like, yeah, to, for sure. To be had yeah. like about what it is that yep. you know. Is it like the more? Because like I would agree with you that some of those more extreme horror movies are just you know perpetual line steppers or something like the most yeah. recent release of that Terrifier two. You know, as much as I I think I've heard good things about it, it also does seem like it's one of those just like out to push the envelope to like go to the mm-hmm. next level and stuff like that. Which as long as there's substance isn't bad in and of itself. But then you have like ones that are just like it seems like they only exist to shock like that serbian film like that level of like um uh extreme horror and i don't think that there's a lot of value in that kind of thing um but yeah that and especially when you brought up saw like what a weird time that was when like you had your saws and your hostels and all that yeah like what a weird time and like 
this torture. Well, think about what was popular. Yeah, think about what was popular then. You had Paranormal Activity. You had Saw. You had Hostel. Um, Then you had your, like, run-of-the-mill, like, we were getting, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacres. We were getting, like, um, Jeepers Creepers. We were getting, um, you know, movies like that. Then you had, like, your Ring and Grudger on that era, and both of those were were PG-13 movies. Yep. Yep. And then Scream. Although those, screams, the Ring and, the Ring and Grudge are kind of different because they were part of like the J horror remake wave, like the remaking yep. Japanese horror movies and making them a little worse, but a little bit easier for Western audiences to consume. I guess the Japanese version of the Grudge is crazy. Yeah, I've heard Juan. Is it, that the name it's, of it? Yeah, it is rough. Like not in a bad way. Like it, it like Japanese horror is terrifying. Um. Yeah, around that era, we discovered my friends and and I uh, in high school discovered audition. Oh Talk gosh. about a movie, man! Oh yeah, man. My buddy Kevin like insisted we watch it, and I was like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> so I wanted to do a bonus episode. I know we're getting again inside baseball, but um, if you're listening to this, please let us know if you're interested. Um, we we had talks about doing other bonus episodes, maybe doing like a like a M, like Mr. Science theater 3000 or like a riff tracks um, version of some of these movies where we record ourselves watching it. I also had thoughts of us like maybe doing deep dives in the genres or um, conversations like this, like, you know, horror movies that you know, maybe different eras or like, you know, stuff around that. Cause both Stefan and myself, um, you know, have on top of like goofing around watching movies, both have like a deep, um, appreciation for the thematic stuff that goes behind this stuff and, you know, like uh, themes of like the culture at the time and, and stuff that kind of helped make what these movies are. So um, if you guys are interested in that, let me know. We could definitely throw a couple bonus episodes out or maybe we do that for a week or something. So um, I've always been super interested, if you can't tell, about kind of the why behind a lot of this stuff, not not only like what's going on. So um, yeah, let us know. But um yeah, so that was Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Um, that was Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I have a huge update, oh, folks. No. Okay. Oh, no. So we got the DVD from Germany, okay? Oh. And I rarely that's that's a lie. I like to be right. <laughs> I do. As a, as a human, most of us do, right? Facts. It looks way better on D like come on, you have to admit, like it was crazy the quality difference. It was actually like SHD. You could tell. Like it was actually like yeah. You could yes. So all of the screenshots because we talked about how the screenshots from we're talking about the supernaturals. I don't think you said what it was. You said the DVD from Germany. I don't know if you said, but so oh, well the fans know they know the fans know the move the the grossest looking movie we've had yet, which was Supernaturals. Every version on streaming was that weird blurry transfer that made no sense, and every image we saw online had a clearer picture. Well, Shane over here finally got the DVD. We popped that bad boy in after we're done with Killer Clowns. And it was clear. You could see. And the sound quality was actually a little bit better, too. So, yep. So, why on earth every version of it that's streaming is this absolute shit version and not the. Like, we could just do a DVD rip of this and just like put it out for pirating to like let the world know yeah, really. that like there's a better version <laughs> of the supernaturals out there. Like, granted, I don't know how much I would change my opinion, but I actually wouldn't mind doing like a retrospective. Like if we wanted to do like a mini episode just on a retrospective 
of the supernaturals and just like take a half an hour to reevaluate it. I actually wouldn't mind doing that. I think it deserves it because I do think that even watching the terrible version we did, we saw the kernels of good stuff, like the performances from some like, you know, uh, from LeVar Burton or Nichelle Nichols. There were like yep. their performances there that were just good, but like were hindered by just the terrible like transfer that we were dealing with. So yeah, yeah I wouldn't mind giving it its due to like, it isn't like an addendum to that. And the effects looked good too. Like like the zombies were a lot cooler looking, and the blue effect really kind of sh- sh- like I don't want to say shown. What's the word? Would shine through, I guess. So or did shine through. Yeah. So cool. Well, I mean, what what's uh? So we talked about Killer Clowns. We did the update on Supernaturals or the Supernaturals. True. Um. So what's in store for us next time? Oh yes. So we are, we're going to be pushing it way into the, the very back of the eighties, uh, with a little film called warlock, uh, warlock being the movie with, uh, Julian Sands starring as a time traveling warlock that goes to the future and has to be yeah, stopped. For, yeah. He did just recently pass away, right? January. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Terrible. Yeah. So, uh, and this one's an interesting case because we've talked about maybe like moving into the nineties and some of you might like be like, Oh wait, this movie came out in 1991 in the United States. That is true, but it was actually released in 1989 in, uh, what Australia and the UK, it just took a couple years to come to the United States. So it's still technically a 1989 release, just not on the U S so, um, streaming services that what, I just realized in the intro, I didn't even say what show, like I didn't do anything because I always do this sometimes 70s, sometimes 80s, sometimes 90s. And I just realized that I didn't even intro the show correctly. That's funny. You know, I just <laughs> superimpose it after nah, the fact, right? All right. No, kidding. never mind. Don't worry about it. Um, Jeremy will just be mad at me and text me. Yeah, whatever. At least you said the name of the movie. Yeah. Right. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, but it's on, it looks like I'm, I'm checking out the, um, the apps that it's streaming on. We've got a uh, Amazon prime. Um, looks like, uh, Peacock, Plex, Tubi, Voodoo, um, something I've never heard of Zumo canopy. Yeah. There's new ones coming yeah. out like every week. It's crazy. They need to stop. Like someone has to stop these people. <laughs> they must be stopped. But yes, yeah, so this be. is a nice one to kind of like take us. We're still technically in the eighties. We are kind of branching into that nineties cause we always threaten to go into the nineties or seventies, but we haven't pulled the trigger on it but this is the closest that we've come a movie that was on not released until 91 in the u.s some would say dangerously close but um you know i don't think it's dangerous it's dangerous <laughs> dangerously close <laughs> <laughs> well awesome i look forward to it i've seen clips of this movie and i've always i've actually never seen this one i'm excited i love when i haven't seen the movie um so i'm pretty pretty stoked so Go ahead, make sure you watch it or don't. We, we do a pretty good job at um, a lot of people don't actually watch the movies, which I don't understand, but uh, I've heard like, hey, you guys do a good job at like kind of summarizing it. So we don't really have to watch it. I'm like, okay, cool. But uh, yeah, but uh, I, that's all I had. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to, uh, you know, throw out there. No, um, I promise that I will uh, get around to that review of Unwelcome, maybe sometime before the heat death of the universe. Um, I should, I should just write that this week, but I have to, I have to practice piano this week. Cause I kind of slacked off last week. I don't know. We'll get it done. Uh, but did, did you mention the, uh, social media, the, the, 
artist formerly known as Twitter handle at at oh yeah Drive. you can find us you can find us on uh musk at uh the musk at the musk um at dark side driving and you can find stefan at uh dark schneid not dark schneider i'm not i'm never gonna let that joke die um it's not really a joke it's just i literally almost tweeted that kid or x that kid i don't even know i can't even i think it's calling posts <laughs> now <laughs> elon why why indeed. anyways um yeah. Uh, also, we updated our website, so we took some of the stuff off. Like the tilt's gone. Um, we changed our homepage a little bit. It looks pretty cool. We added AGB streaming to the website, and I had to finagle some video. I was having problems with like the videos were too large on mobile, but I fixed everything. It looks cool. Um, not a huge change, but uh, his clips are up there, so go check it out. Um, you can subscribe to our website. I don't really know what that does, but it lets me know <laughs> that you subscribed, um, which is cool, I guess. So if we ever do stuff with newsletters, which probably we should. Um, so why don't you do that? Just go to our website, subscribe, see if it works. Um, see if it works. What? I, I don't know. I honestly don't know what it, what it's for, but, uh, you can do it and it actually links to my email and it sends me an email like, Hey, guess who subscribed. So, um, yeah. But uh, that's all I had. Yeah, I'm solid. Nothing else. Cool. Well, I've been Shane. And I've been Stefan. And you've listened to the Dark Side Drive-In, which is our horror-themed podcast. Sometimes 70s, sometimes 80s, and maybe 90s. Potentially 90s in the future. Uh, and keep it, keep it, uh, keep it kind of spooky, you know? Hold on, I dropped something in the middle of that. You might have heard it on the can- on the mic. Let me try again. Oh, he did. Spooky. It's never leaving. Spooky. It was a pog. <laughs> well, hold up. You still have pogs? Uh, just this one. I found it in my stuff. Bro, talk about blast from the past. <laughs> I love pogs. Yeah, I made a louder noise than I expected. Well, I guess it is cardboard. But is it a slammer? No, it's just a pog. Just cardboard. Oh my god. What is it of? Uh. This is, hopefully you're not gonna leave this in. Uh, it's oh, you bet your ass I it's, am. It's uh, Captain Caveman. Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's Hell that. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. So well, bye. Bye. <laughs>